That's a radio, boy. Yeah, what's it do? Yo, shout out to uh, Digital Mozart. Well, sure, but I've seen one like that. Yeah, shout out to uh, Daisha Hunter. Shout out to Ramsey's okay. of the Sugar Shack. Okay. Shout out to all the guys at the Breakdown. Shout out to D Dallinger. Shout out to Huntley Nicholas. What's going on, y'all? Giamazawa repping in North Cat. Listening to the Mega Lake Podcast right here in Tokyo. Yo, what's good? This is DJ Spinner, and you're listening to the Mega Late Show, the number one hip-hop podcast in the world. Peace. Yo, what up, what up? This Elder Sensei, one half of the Artifacts Jersey Stand Up. You are now checking out the Mega Late Show. Let's go, y'all. Peace, Jersey. Elder Sensei, one. A collection of question marks. Yo, welcome back to the Mega Late Show, the number one hip-hop and dope culture podcast in Tokyo. Every Friday, me and Late. Peace, Late. Yo, what's happening? Yes, every Friday me and Late are dropping new episodes of people here in Tokyo passing through Tokyo of various degrees, varying degrees of uh, popularity and celebrity. And uh, today we're starting off our episode with a friend of the show, somebody that we've wanted to get on for quite a long time. True indeed. Yes. Uh, you've also heard, uh, I think uh, Adam referred to me as like Little Shucks at one point. <laughs> Shout out to Adam. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He referred to me as Little Shucks. Because we share the same type of energy when it comes to this hip-hop shit. So um, I'm going to introduce our guests in a minute. First, let me give uh, our new listeners a rundown of how the show works. So we're out here in Tokyo, and we interview. I don't want to call it interview. We have conversations with people out here uh, about what they do, if they're creatives or participating in the culture to some degree. And then uh, first, we have a conversational segment with them. We take a little commercial break, and then we do a musical share where uh, our guests and we share a song that we think is dope it could be new dope old dope i don't know all types of various degrees of dopeness or maybe even something trash and then today we're doing a very special type of thing with our guests which we haven't exactly decided on what to call it the greatest album ever Ever of of all time of the decade so basically with that, starting in 2010, we're going to discuss albums that have come out since then and rank them uh, in terms of what we decide is dope or reasons that they are dope. And uh, at the end of the podcast, we also list a bunch of shows that are going on in Tokyo and around the greater Tokyo metropolitan area. Mm. So if you're here in Tokyo, check that out because we are always talking about people doing really, really dope things. Uh, today in studio, we have our guy D. Dallinger, who is often present, but usually not quite on the mic all the time. So shout out to D. Dallinger. Peace, yo. What's up? That's right. We also have a super OG in the building, Huntley Nicholas, who's decided that he's going to keep it quiet. But maybe you'll hear more from him later because he has been around and seen some shit, y'all. And our guest today, homie, friend of the show. Shucks one peace what fam. Up? Peace, How peace. you doing? Let me give you an applause drop. Drop them hands. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna let that rock for a minute. Shucks one is an MC. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to mm. put put you in a place in time. But you, you're a man of hip hop culture. Is that is yeah, that more that's accurate? A, that's, to say? A, that's a much better uh, accurate description because I would say MC. When you say the word, he's an MC. I think people automatically think rapper, right? Yeah. And although that is something that I've done it's not a it's not a career choice it's not something that i'm currently doing or pursuing but as far as an mc in the traditional sense you know master of ceremonies hosting party rocking keeping people hype 
you know, that's definitely me. So, yeah. Word up. And you also were an event organizer here in Tokyo. You've worked with a lot of people that we know and work with and rock with, uh, such as The Breakdown. Shout out to The Breakdown. Big shout out to The Breakdown. Yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and going back, <laughs> you mentioned that Adam said that you were mini shucks or little shucks. Yeah. I, w- I would say that that was um, a compliment in the yeah. sense of a compliment to me mm. and to you in the sense that the passion, what you're doing right now, I listen to, I've, I've heard quite a few of your shows. And I think that the passion that you bring is the passion that I had. You just mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> the beginning of the show is like we share the same passion. So something you just said, and I said, you know what? I'm thinking it's like where you are and what you're doing right now. I can definitely see the parallels of what, what they're talking about. You know, D and Z, Chase and, and um, DC3. But um, I would say, you know, I wish I still had the same passion that you have right now. I think um, Tokyo beat the shit out of you. Nah, right? you know what? Not, nothing beat the shit out of me. Um, family happened, man, and I'm, I'm a family man right now, and I'm, I'm loving it. No regrets about anything. It's just like, you know, um, being out in the scene at the clubs and all the events and all the stuff is is great. But I don't miss it, not one bit. You Word. know, every every minute that I have with my my family at home, my daughter and stuff is just it's just. You know, she's only two years yeah. old, so this is a, a new chapter in my life that I'm really enjoying very much. So no to see, to be able to be a guest on your show is like, wow, I'm, I'm you know, I'm back in the scene for a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've had conversations in the past, and um, you you've kind of outlined that that you don't really participate and do too many things. You still love the culture, but you're busy doing other things in your life now. So really, what I was interested about, because um, as you said. I, I do think Adam was trying to compliment the type of energy and passion that we had uh, back. Uh, I mean, I saw videos going back to like 2006. You were doing something called the Shucks Files, and yeah. you were basically interviewing artists who came here and um, yeah. you know uh, pushing Tokyo hip hop culture further from the uh, maybe the gaijin, the foreigner perspective, which I think is a tremendous uh, value out here uh, because there's a little bit of a separation so mm-hmm. I do want to I do want to get into those type of things and your thoughts about hip-hop culture out here perhaps some of the the triumphs and some of the difficulties that you faced uh, working within the community out here and also some of your history with people out here so we'll get into that for sure uh, we don't have any more sponsors so I don't think we need to take a sponsor break anymore late should we just make up some sponsors right quick uh, well, still <laughs> shout out to Harry at uh, Harry Sandwich no Company doubt. in Harajuku. Uh, yeah. If you need some Japanese lessons, holler at Shiori Combs. She's a licensed Japanese teacher. She'll you saw you how I chopped up that last one that we put <laughs> that we put out where we had her on there. I think it was. I don't know if I listened to that. Part. Okay, yeah, yeah, it was a little bit funny and spicy. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was nothing. Yo, shout out to Calcombs. It was nothing. It was nothing toxic or anything like that. But I thought we were a little bit wild, <laughs> putting her information out. So was if you one, need, was that the one with the breakdown? Crew? Yeah, I heard yeah, that. Yeah. I heard you, that. I was you, like, you heard, whoa, okay. You heard, okay. You heard the cuts a little bit, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was more that was cut out. Oh, okay. It was all fun. No, it was not not disrespectful at all. It was just funny. But um, yeah, if you would like her to give you Japanese lessons, message us personally, and then we'll link you. Is that how we should do it late? Or you want to just put her shit in the show notes? I'm not sure. She hasn't given me any contact info for that. Okay. Yeah, she's a... licensed so she's very yeah. professional okay. and good at what she does yeah get at us if you want some really dope uh you know late head lessons with her and sings her praises so uh message us if you want to get some dope ass english lessons word up or japanese <laughs> japanese nah she's gonna teach you that english too uh, oh, no nah, i'm just trying to save my ass here <laughs> a- anyways uh also i would like to give a shout out to our sponsor um sway's head wrap 
Thank you, Sway, and your head wrap. Yo, I, you know what I mean? It's funny, I recently got into battle, got back into battle raps, and I'm paraphrasing what this one dude said. He was like, I'm a man of many hats. You sway in the morning or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that Yo, um, I wonder what Sway's hair looks like, man. What if he has like the wild hairline or something, right. you know what I mean? Like off of, what is it, Nutty Professor? Oh, when uh, Chappelle pulls off the uh, the hat yeah. and then he's got the wild dreadlocks. Yes. Anywho, shout out to Sway, a uh, personal hero of mine, right? Yo. Uh, All right, let's do this temperature check joint where we ask our guests a bunch of questions about hip-hop culture and okay. his thoughts and opinions on things like that. I don't know if I have any questions for you. Let's start. When you were 16, who was your favorite MC? Wow, when I was 16, favorite MC, 16... What year was that? We're going to go with 91. Oh, right. Rock that, him. That'd be about 91. So we're talking about Public Enemy. We're talking about BDP, Karis One. So we have to go with Chuck. We have to go with Chris. We have to go with... Damn, X-Clan was out yet? Right 91, yeah. Right yeah, I was going to say Brother J. Van Glorious. Yeah. At that time, probably Brother J for the message yeah. that they were, you know... Uh, expressing um, so many, but you said you, you just had MC, right? I have to pick one. That's too no, I like I like people to just you know I usually give the I usually say pick one just to say it, but okay. I mean I like when people rifle off their favorites and people they appreciate. I have to go you with Cube. Brother. Oh man, yeah, I have to yeah. go with Cube at that time. Uh, this sorry, was, this is on the tail end of like the first golden age, right? Yeah, so so man, well, I mean well, I could go you, I could who, definitely go on, but all right, if you were stuck on an island and you could only have Ice Cube's albums or KRS-One's albums, who you picking? If I was stuck on an island, I'd have to go with KRS-One because I'd hate to be pissed off the whole time that I'm stuck on the island and Ice Cube is going to piss you off. You know what I mean? He's going to yeah. make you <laughs> really realize yeah. what you should be pissed off sure. about. And Chris is going to let you know, you know, there's some things that you should be pissed off about, but there's a there's another side to it that you can get out of this. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, no you doubt. You can make no it doubt. back to the, to, the, to the land. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> Something like that. Who would you pick, Late? Cube or Chris? Album? Discography. I think Cube has a stronger discography. Yeah, overall. But but like you said, you're going to be stuck on that island. You could listen to uh, I mean, bitch, 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 I Ain't The One. I Ain't The One to get played like a poo butt. Yeah, it's, I don't know if I could do Bomb Squad for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? I might need that BDP up in there. Yeah. yeah. 13 and Goon. He's, yeah, you're gonna get, Chris is going to have you thinking intellectually. You're going to figure yeah. a way off that island and, and, yeah. and be able to come back whenever you want to kind of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? If you listen to enough. And you could also step good, into a world. There are some good later KRS albums. The Marley Mall joint that they had. Ice Cube mm, after like War and Peace is not really mm. good. Did anybody listen to Ice Cube's newest album that just dropped like a month ago or some shit? No, I didn't. Okay. I, didn't I saw the video it. for one of them joints. I can appreciate it, but I not really rocking with that one like that. I think it's like that sometimes. Let's see. I got some more questions here. Who would you prefer? 90s RZA production or 2000s Kanye? 90s RZA. Okay. I left that I left that space blank for late to jump in. Should I just keep going? Oh, all mine I'm, I'm saving for the unjust. It's a generational okay. thing though. It's a sure. generational thing, I think. 
I think it just a like a, also just uh, it, I mean you know both of course I love the RZA but I mean I think you can compare the catalogs and have an opinion about it that could be towards objectivity but you know it's music at the end of the day so whatever you like shit uh shucks who was your favorite MC when you were 25 25 I'm trying to figure out how old I am right now and go back to what, what year that was. So, like, so that's 2000. That's the year 2000, right? Who came out in that year, man? Who came out? Yeah. I mean, Doom had released Doomsday. Aesop Rock was out. Um, yeah. I, I was into Aesop Rock, but uh, as far as... Man, that's so hard to say, but I would probably go with... Ghost, Ghost came out. I'd probably um, go with... Uh, Supreme Clientele was out. 2000. Okay. Oh, can I just give a little bit of a, 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 a footnote here while we're talking yeah. about Supreme Clientele? Today, as we record, is the 19-year anniversary of the release of Supreme Clientele. Okay. Shout okay. out to the God. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll probably go with something more obscure and underground, even though it's not that obscure, but something like Living Legends or something like The Grouch. I was really into mm-hmm. really. Um You're from Cali, Shucks? I'm from all over, but I spent a lot of time in Cali. I'm, I'm, I'm like mega military father, yeah. lived all over the place, even lived in Okinawa when I was a kid. So, yeah, it's hard to say where I'm from, but I'm a Cali boy as well. Legends were bubbling out back then, man. Yeah, a lot yeah. of good albums from the Grouch. He was yeah. my favorite member of the Legends yeah. at the time. Likewise. But, um, yeah, these, these kind of questions are really difficult for me because I was, uh, like I said, we shared the same. If I asked you the same question, could you answer with just one? In 2000? Yeah. No. I mean, I had just discovered Aesop, but I was also a huge Ghost fan. Supreme Clientele just came out. I was rocking with that album super heavy. So, um, I mean, I could probably tell you one from different, like, different parts of the culture. Like, if you ask me favorite West Coast MC right. at the time, yeah, yeah. Or East Coast or Underground, down, I, I could do that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, I wasn't even that huge of a Doom fan at that point, 2000. I think we had one album, Doomsday, so... I mean, outside of the KMD work, but no, I don't think anything else came out by then. I don't know. All right. What are you rocking with these days? These days, not much, man. I'm, I'm like, whatever people send me, to be honest, but I just sent, or I just hit uh, Mega with something recently, this cat named Bobby Sessions. Shout out to my man Endure, by the way. Endure, Art Before Industry. I'm wearing his, wearing his t-shirt right now. My boy Endure out in Philly is the one who peeped me to this cat, Bobby Sessions. And I uh, was really, uh, really taken back by by his style, by his, uh, not his style, but just his whole, his the project that he just put out called Revolution. So right now I'm listening to Bobby Sessions um, just as of a few weeks ago. Mm. And, you know, he's uh, not, not well known. He's on Def Jam, but yeah. he's still not very well known. And he's dope though. I, I wasn't familiar with him until you, um you brought him up this week i think actually um shout out to tracy jones and the microscopic giant uh i think i think he he mentioned him to me like last year uh earlier earlier last year and uh, i might maybe listen to it but i didn't give it much of a listen but um to let our listeners know right now at the end of the podcast we're going to discuss three albums and and rank them in our greatest album of, of the decade ever or whatever we call it and that's the album yeah. that you're choosing. And yeah. so we'll discuss that. I, I don't want to give my thoughts too much on Bobby Sessions until then, but okay. okay. Word. Yeah, because it's uh, does that question who, you, who you're into right now. It's like, if you went through my phone, 
what's in my headphones i got meditation music i got some i got the internet you know the, the group the internet right uh i also have interested in some. how you uh digest your music like are you are you streaming are you purchasing mp3s are you still going not, to stores nah I'm are you not, renting I, cds out here nah i'm getting whatever people send me I'm not checking. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. Like I said. Uh-huh. So I. I wish I was in the yeah. same state of mind that that you two are in mm-hmm. right now. The same passion. But I'm. I'm not. I was that dude that was buying albums and digging and digging and yeah. you know getting stuff. Now it's kind of like, you know, I don't even check my Facebook. Like my. I have Facebook, right? But I unfollowed like pretty much mm. 99% of all the people who are my friends. Not anything personal against anyone. I just wanted unfriended or unfollowed. Unfollowed. Okay. I'm still friends, so it's like I still have a list of so people. So they don't who are notice you don't care about their opinions and thoughts. He's, like, a, he's like, you know what? It, I'm just, that, uh, yeah. He's like a ghost. <laughs> no, that's genius. That's that's <laughs> the way to do it, though. But like a reverse I used to be really. We're gonna go on a, a separate tangent real quick. I used to be like really, 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 really into Facebook. Like, I used to use Facebook as my blog without having a blog. So I used to make posts like long posts and stories, especially when I first came to Japan years ago, and I had so much to like express about life here mm-hmm. so i would you know post photos with long stories like you know like a blog you know mm-hmm. and people were really into it and i found myself spending a lot of time not only in my own post but reading other people's stuff commenting getting in even in little debates and stuff and comments yeah. and i just felt like man you know it's a lot of time that i'm spending on this thing so i decided to just unfollow most people so that i don't i don't have the tendency just to see what everybody every time somebody's making toast or yeah. taking a shit or whatever mm-hmm. you know what i mean but yeah. the times that i'm thinking about certain people i'll go to their page or i'll hit them with a, uh, a personal message like oh what's up what's, you know what you're doing lately or whatever so if i'm really interested to know what somebody's doing i'll hit them up right so yeah. vice versa is like if people are just posting their music i'm probably not going to see it but if somebody sends me directly, like, yo, shucks, check this out. I just this, just released this or whatever, then I'm going to push play. I'm going to mm. check it out. You know what I mean? I'm going to start sending like, you more music, fam. Hey, do it, and I'll check it yeah. out. Or sure. you can listen to the Mega Late Show every Friday. <laughs> we do talk about new music, but I, I, I know you listen to the episode a lot. I mean, to the episodes a lot, but but yeah, um, you know, I, I went through that same phase. I, the reason that, that I've paid more attention nowadays is because we do a hip-hop podcast and to a certain degree i have to be informed about things uh when our guests are so i found myself in 2017 listening to a lot of music that i knew i wouldn't be interested in Mm -hmm. just in case somebody wanted to discuss it uh 2018 i took the foot off the gas but i still ended up listening to over 150 albums last year and a majority of them i thought were pretty decent Mm -hmm. so uh again when it comes to your passion and the culture whatever i've got a lot of music that i'd like to share with people and i'm gonna Send you sure. some new shit. I still listen. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I think I got one more. Uh, one more question. Maybe maybe two. Let's see. Um, rank these MCs. Rebel INS. INS Rebel. Inspector Deck. Dell and Big Boy. One, two, three. In terms of not maybe not in terms of your quality, but in terms of your interest. Wait, say those. For, okay, if I can inspect the deck. In terms of my Dell the funky Homo sapien. And Big Boy from Outcast. In terms of my interest today, it's a tough or one. Or at the highest nope. point of my interest, because yeah, yeah. E- either way. Before we start, can I ask why you chose those three? Is it their birthday or something? No, <laughs> you, it's like no, they're all Aquarius. No, uh, no, I just chose them because I thought that they're uh, talented. 
I think they have pretty good bodies of work. I think they've made certain cultural impact, and I think that they're not. It's not some top tier MC like mm. Ray, right. K- Kanye, and you know somebody else. Mm. So I picked those three because uh, they're not. They don't get thrown into that discussion too much. So mm. I would say probably in the order that you mentioned them, but that's today. If this was. 10, 15 years ago, Dell would be at the top. It would just be mm. based on how much of the music I consumed yeah. of the brother. Like Dell, yeah, man, it's hard. It's really hard to say. I, I wouldn't be really Let's checking for him right now, but if I saw like something like posted, like a track featuring Rebel INS, a track featuring Dell yeah. or Big Boy, I'd probably click on the Dell. Today, I'd probably click on the Rebel INS before mm. I click on Dell. You know what's interesting is both of them had albums last year. Dale did an album with um, Amp Live from Zion okay. I, and then Zarface, Inspector Deck, MF Doom, and uh, what's his face? Esoteric. New music from them. What okay. do you got, Late? I'm guessing Big Boy is at the top of your list? I think so, but I can't really define it. Like, their styles are so different. All three of them, right? Yeah. Like, they all do different, different things. things. They're all dope, but mm. not for the same reason. Mm-hmm. But you know that um, the Triumph track is just something that will never, it's like, it's like branded in my brain, yeah. right? And, and the inspector started that off and it's just kind of like, no matter what else ever comes it's, out, it's like, when you mention that name, that track just stands yeah. up. Yeah. It, it like probably is always. a top verse of all time, maybe top five, yeah, just I don't because know of its ubiquity and skill. Big Boy has a verse that can hang with the Triumph verse, yeah. but I don't think Dell does either, actually. But Dell's like, got really good yeah, verses, I, but I not to that, that degree. But I think atomically, like just this. But I think Big Boy's flow is like better than all of theirs. I I, th- I think but Big Boy has also, a better cadence. Dell's flow is ridiculous sometimes too mm. so i don't know it's it's tough yeah. to call it's a, that, yeah i'm, I'm one a little proud of myself for this can i hold on can i get a little applause drop for for the guy mega this is like a conversation i would have like at a party <laughs> where yeah. there's no women yeah yeah <laughs> well you know this is kind of a party with no damn women <laughs> oh man we're fucking trash <laughs> <laughs> anyways i think i would rank mine um i think i would go dell big boy deck Deck just doesn't have the same quality of output. Mm. Name one track off of Uncontrolled Substance. Right, right. You know what I mean? The Triumph Versus is, is an outlier in terms of a singular moment for all of those MCs. It probably sits the highest, but, you know, Big Boy, uh, he always he always gets outshined by Andre, but I thought yeah. there's plenty of tracks where Big Boy came doper than Andre and just didn't get the credit for it. You know what I mean? His style was not as abstract, but yeah, you know, we're talking about Andre. So I'm going to go Dell, Big Boy, Deck. Yeah, see, then again, it's just like what factors go into play in making that yeah. decision, you know what I mean, of, of how to rank them. So for me, my decision was based on, like I said, what, what stands out in my brain years later after not checking for any of these dudes anymore at this point. And if I had to choose, oh, I'm going to go for Inspector Deck. I want to hear this Inspector Deck track because because I've still got this thing implanted in my brain from what what uh, made the biggest impression on me. Or from, yeah, so. Okay. Well, shit. Um, I don't think we need to talk about that updated rapper vocab list that came out. Did you all see that? Nah, who cares Did we not it? talk about that? We talked about it before, but they just updated it. We didn't do that last episode? No, I don't think so. 
Um, let me ask one Jap- uh, question about Japan before we go into the conversation segment. Did you guys see that they're removing all the porn from uh, convenience stores? No. Really? Yeah. They're going to be... Uh, I know the 7-Eleven is, is definitely doing that, but I think it's a government mandate that is requiring them to remove all the porn from the uh, regular magazine stand before the Olympics. And I think all of the convenience stores have to uh, abide by this. Censorship. You know what I mean? It, it's weird. It's weird the societal pressure that finally made Japan make this change is just because of the fucking Olympics are coming instead of it being like yo maybe it's inappropriate that we have these porn magazines right next to the yeah. anime that children can walk by every yeah. single fucking store and so I am going to be a little bit disappointed that I will no longer have that two second goon maneuver glance as I walk past these things but you know like I, it doesn't affect me in any way because I've never purchased one of those magazines at all yeah. uh, I wonder if they got like good reading in them like you know Playboy they used to say they had good interviews <laughs> and quality good quality writing, cartoon yeah, like so. satire I wonder if these uh, these yeah. Japanese yeah, what's ones the, what's, the editor- what's the editorial Tangent like of those I, don't, I have no clue You know what if it's got like Really great political commentary And we're all just missing out on this I, I'd like us all to uh, After the recording Go to the convenience store And purchase a few of these magazines For research For prosperity <laughs> Yes Yeah you know Just And also it's a moment in time You can say I got that before Everything changed right. You know We gotta tell our kids In the future About, about the days of smut. The Japanese Yeah Goon well, What are they gonna do about The manga because you can remove the actual real life, you know, pornographic magazines that are actual photos, mm. but there's so much porn within the comic books. Mm. Is that part of the mandate? And that's kind of really where it gets disturbing, too, because that's where they push the line with this whole lolly, um, like underage schoolgirl looking type of smut. Fan you service. Know, you know, like they, they re- that's where the, the manga is probably more problematic than the actual I would think so. pornography. I would think uh, so. Because, uh, yeah, have you, have you flipped through and seen what's in a lot of those mangas? Like the, the depiction? You haven't. Okay. I, 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 yeah. I read them. <laughs> you re- Can you tell us your favorite? <laughs> no. I want to make it clear that we're not going to go to the convenience store after this and pick up uh, underage-looking girl manga. Porn. No, but the mangas in general, that's the thing. is They mm. are like, they're just comic books, and they have all kinds of just regular superhero kind of stories or mm. whatever. But then out of nowhere, it'll be pages of like, Panty dude shots. got his schlong out, and yeah. you know, he's attacking with an don't, octopus. D- like, don't don't <laughs> a lot of those, <laughs> like those big, like, the Shonen Jump kind of thick manga joints. Yeah. Don't a lot of them have like a the middle insert is like color pictures yeah. of like sexy type of girls, yeah. idol type of girls. Yeah. The gravure, gravure, gravure. Sometimes models? there's that. Am I saying that right? Uh, I forget how you say it. Can I? Oh, there we go. Say it again. Gravure. There we go. See, that's what happens when you got a real classy, cultured brother in here. Right. Thank Shout you out for to <laughs> Huntley Nicholas is in the building. He, he wasn't going to say anything. But we got Huntley Nicholas in the building. He's been in Japan for probably longer than us combined. And he's got a lot of history in the U.S. and Japan. He is the uncle of... Who, who are you the uncle of? Who are you the uncle of? Oh, he, he's he my uncle, he say, he yeah. say anything. He's all of our uncles now. Okay, he's all of our uncles. He's the uncle yeah. of hip-hop in general. Nep. Uh, what's that? Gifted, un- unlimited. Guru? Oh, was gifted. Yeah, we share a nephew. Okay. Oh. They share. He's related somehow to Guru. Mm. Okay. Okay. Sure. Him too. 
divorced him too. <laughs> Yo, I would really actually love to have you on the podcast sometime, Huntley, just to talk shit with you and hear about all your experiences. Earlier you were talking and man, at any single point in history over the last several decades, you could break down something that I find fascinating. So, uh, yeah, if you ever want to come back, man, come on through. We'd love to have you. Yeah, for, for, all, you, up and for down. all you b-boys and poppers and lockers out there, Huntley Nicholas worked on that film Breaking and Entering back in 83 before a lot of you were even born. This cat was, you know, making history that became part of our history. If <laughs> so I, if I, I feel like I saw that, you know, when I was younger, first getting into breakdancing. That is the documentary about the West Coast breakdancing scene yeah. and kind of the electro aspect. One of the, one of the of, documentaries about it, yeah. Right. But it's got Ice T all in it when Ice Shout out to Ice T popping and yeah. breaking and stuff. This is pre right. like Radiotron. This is like. Exactly, yeah. This is when he. He was pimping too. Okay. Yeah. Pimping since. Let's give Ice T his pimping. Uh, all I do is the applause drop, but I'm gonna do that for <laughs> the God Ice T. <laughs> no, but yeah, that is a, a like a '83. That documentary came out, but this, you know, this is after the East Coast uh, breakdancing explosion already had been for sure taken off. Yeah. But but you know, it it highlighted some things about the West Coast scene that I think um, people aren't really from a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these styles didn't all it all didn't just happen at the epicenter the west coast was doing popping yeah. and locking things of that nature and uh, there was a stronger electro aspect to the west coast um scene with like guys like uh, egyptian lover mm -hmm. and things of that nature that when people think about the explosion of breakdancing usually it tends to be tethered to you know the bronx and and the the Latin quarters in the, the Puerto Rican and yeah. black community there, but the West Coast had a rich and vibrant scene in the early 80s, and thank you for being a part of that documentary, Huntley. That shit is amazing. That's on YouTube, yeah? Yeah, you can see it on YouTube. Shit. I'll put it in the show notes, y'all. Let's, let's get this conversation started, man. Oh, that's the I feel like that. I feel like that's yeah. good, you know what I mean. That wasn't that wasn't us in the background. Like, Anyways, yo, conversational. Let's let's start, man. How long have you been in Japan? I have been in Japan coming up on nine years this March as far as living permanently. But I've been coming out here. Well, take it. I'll take it back to when I was a kid. I lived in Okinawa from 11 years old to 14. So I became a teenager there. So those were some formidable years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like even though it was only three and a half years, I really I grew up in Okinawa because, you know, if, if anyone can go back to when you were 11 to the time you turned 14, yeah. those are, some, you know, you grew Absolutely. up during that time. So yeah. uh, then uh, I came out here. I used to come out here on business uh, quite a bit before I moved here. So in total, I've been living here for nine years permanently. But um, prior to that, a lot more time has been spent here as well. Yeah. When did um when did your I don't know how I should phrase this when did you start coming to Japan and working within the hip hop community? Okay, uh, well, no. Nah, first, first, let's let's go. Let's actually rewind back a little bit more. Okay. When did you get into hip hop as as you understand it? Like you're a four element type of guy, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you're, yeah. You probably culture. have a you have you have a hand style. You know all yeah. the four elements and, and participate in probably multiple things. Yeah. When when did it start for you? Uh, from the time I was born, I would say, because you know, if we. To be honest, you know, anybody that really, really knows hip hop, especially like producers and stuff, will know that the art of producing, you're going to take, you're not really producing from hip hop tracks, you're producing from 
other genres of music, you know, whether it be soul, rock, anything, folk music, whatever. So I grew up in a household with a father who was a record collector and he mm. uh, has thousands of, you know, soul, funk, blues records. And he used to play his music around the house all the time, especially on Sundays, because on Sundays uh, I had to go to church with my mom and my brother and my dad didn't go. My dad would stay home. And when we when we'd get home from church, it would always be this, the music was blasting because you could tell he was he had his wine coolers. He was home, had the house to himself, playing his music and singing along. So we come in the house and I just see my dad like singing and stuff. So he had turntable. Well, he had a, a turntable because he wasn't a, a DJ, but he sure. had he had, you know, vinyl records. And I just remember him putting records on the turntable and playing his music. So um, it started there. And then he started collecting. I wouldn't say he collected rap, but he. He did purchase a couple of early rap records. We had the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, and then my brother was uh, eight years, seven years older than me, seven, eight years older than me. So he um, started, I remember he had the, the Fat Boys when they were called the Disco Three. Um, even the Skinny Boys came out later. Um, lots of early UTFO and lots of lots of old stuff. So I, um, from the time How I was- How old was your dad at that time? I don't know, at that time. Um, He's was he like a young guy listening to hip-hop or was he no my dad wasn't really into hip-hop my dad was like i said he was into soul funk you know jazz big jazz soul funk so he collected all those records and then as hip-hop started happening especially later in the 90s i started hearing all the stuff that my dad played the originals you know what i mean like i would hear records and i automatically i knew what samples were before i knew what samples were you know i was like yeah Man, this is i know this song and my dad yeah. would be like <laughs> you of course, know, he knows yeah. these songs. So, my dad himself wasn't a like a rap fan or anything, but he did get, I guess, some of the things like, like I said, the um, you know, rappers delight. Anything that was like a, maybe a breakthrough pop rap record, he would have had it. You know what I mean? And then he had, um, uh, I believe he even had later on. He got the Jazzmatazz because of the jazz, you know, element of it. But um, shout, shout out to, to India. Jazz. Yeah, we just had India Davenport on. Uh, oh, India Davenport. Oh, really? Uh, last week. Yeah. Okay. You know, she's Wait, on that did jazz. That come out? Yeah, it came out yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't see that. Yesterday. Oh, I gotta listen to that. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's, okay. She's she's brilliant. You know, okay. super phenomenal, talented. Shout out to her. Okay. So, uh, oh, but, well, I think you know, uh, as, as you said, like it kind of just always been a part of your life yeah, that's, how wise, right? that's how i experience that's how i experience hip-hop culture too and and I, I i don't know maybe i guess kids do it like that now but like for me when i've learned about the four elements is kind of where i say like i officially right. became okay. hip-hop you I know what, what i mean saying. so if it was yeah. under that terms because my brother he had rap records and stuff but he wasn't into like hip-hop culture right um i think when i learned the four elements I think elements. I was like 12 okay. when I figured out the four elements. I had started breakdancing, and then, like, my OG, the dude that was like two grades older than me, he started hipping me right. to the four element shit. And that's when I kind of put it together that, like, oh, this is a culture, not just listening right. to the music and being, you know, a person of color or whatever. Yeah, well, damn, How the old music are you was in there. The... And then, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm How 35. How old are you in, uh, not you, like in eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade? Yeah. Seventh, seventh grade is like 12 years old, right? About is that right? 12. 11, 12? Yeah, it should be 13, maybe. 12, I, I was 13. already... I was probably around that age. Yeah. 13, 14. Yeah. yeah, I was definitely younger Started than that. watching documentaries. Yeah. Because I mean, I was into 
rap music and shit and everything that was dope that was playing on BET or my brother-in-law, you know, I already had heard like a bunch of Wu albums. I heard the old Prince Rakim joints. Damn, and, you know, like my family, like, you know, I had older people in my life that were into the hip hop music that was, you know, the popular music at the time. But for Element shit, that's when I was like, oh, the graffiti okay. is like an integral part of this. Yeah. And oh, like spinning on your face is like a thing that people do when they right. when they get open off of this music and that's yeah. it's crazy to hear like you know, i heard of the woo and all that when you but for me the woo was i was already graduating high school once oh. you know and i graduated in 93 yeah. and i think that's the year that's the year the drama. woo came out yeah. right so for me in third grade i would say i knew about the four elements because i was definitely breaking at the time and then beach street came out the year before that and beach street encompassed all four elements yeah. they taught you through that theatrical movie you learned about all four elements so i definitely knew about graffiti the dance all four elements the dj um where are was, you living I was already at breaking. this time what's that uh what part uh virginia well quantico i don't know if you did you ever live in quantico nah, i never stayed in virginia but i know where you're talking about okay quantico. that's like quantico is like uh FBI north TV show. north uh <laughs> northern virginia right like uh, on the close to the border uh, yeah, because yeah, it's we not used to, we it's not near, near like Virginia Beach, so no, it's no, like no, no, further no. north, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, we used to always take trips to Washington D.C., which was not too far away, Maryland. So um, yeah, I was in Quantico, Virginia at the time. So he's because I was born in North Carolina, and then we moved to California, then we moved to Virginia, then we moved to Okinawa, then we yeah. moved back to California. Yeah. So at that time, third grade, I was breaking. I remember seeing Beach Street. I remember seeing also uh, Alfonso. What's his name? Uh, Ribeiro Yeah Carlton <laughs> Carlton yeah. yeah Before he was Carlton obviously When he uh, did the Pepsi commercial And he was breaking yeah. And stuff And it was just like All influential He had like a like a He was a, for the commercial Like you buy the You buy the video And they give you like A piece of cardboard card, And yeah, shit yeah, yeah, too yeah, yeah. To, So we yeah, had the cardboard yeah. that, well, that that's, specific that's the one, weird thing we, About breaking and shit Like breaking became Like this huge Pop cultural thing And that was really exploited So when yeah. I saw breaking It just didn't seem like Hip hop culture to me But I watched breaking all the time to learn how to do windmills and shit uh, <laughs> you know what i mean right. like it was weird that for was, me that was the breakthrough you know that was what made it official to me because i didn't grow up in new york and like you said when the movie that he worked on breaking and entering came out in 83 so it had already somehow moved i think through i think that was through uh wild style and style wars which came out like the year before that yeah and exposed you know graffiti culture and breaking culture to the world yeah so i i don't know how it yeah. traveled to the west coast but at the time when i was in third grade breaking the movie breaking is what exposed me to to that and then um i would say graffiti didn't start yeah. until much later yeah. maybe i, I saw grade, a bunch of grade like for a, me, for a, me. a few of the like popular films just didn't really strike me as like hip-hop culture as much as it did like oh people do this thing right, breaking right, was right. like that do you remember rapping with mario van peebles no yo <laughs> don't watch that shit <laughs> it is an early film it's called rapping and it's mario van peebles and i remember watching that and being like Rapping's not that cool. <laughs> like, not the way he's doing it and shit. But if, like, if it was you weird. saw Breaking, it would make sense because, look, I saw Breaking. I mean, I'm sorry, Beach Street. Have I been saying Breaking this whole time? You said Breaking. Yeah. I've been time. saying Breaking oh, this Beach whole time. Street, of Beach course. Street. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Beach Street for sure. I'm, I'm, Beach Street changed. Let me yeah. reverse. <laughs> right. You're exactly right. When I saw yeah. Breaking, I thought this was way Hollywood. Who is this? this? Like, yeah. Yeah, this was super Hollywood. It was McDonald's. And I'm shit. sorry. I love. Uh, okay. The actual weapon? Yeah, they 
Dang, we just got the jewels. If y'all could hear that, then you the, heard it. Where the gunshots? Uh, damn it, late. He said the I'm people who you. brought you breaking oh, also shit. brought you the Uzi. Yo, shout out. This is a uh, Shabadoo right here letting <laughs> off shots. What was it? Shabo Shabadoo Shabadoo is nah. Mexican from Chicago. Is that right? He's Mexican. What about uh Boogaloo Shrimp? Uh, shrimp was Oklahoma. Shrimp, I miss him. Really? Did he pass away? I heard I that he, I, when I was a kid, I heard that he died doing a head spin and trying to bounce on his head and he broke his neck and died. Yeah, but yeah. I don't but think I heard that's that about true Alfonso at all. Ribeiro as well. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Carlton passed away yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, I heard that about him man. way, way, way Do back. Like, oh, he broke his neck doing a head spin. Yeah, yeah. man. Damn, you know. That was you know without the internet without legend. the internet we used to just get like information like I remember hearing about like graph artists like doing shit and it was just like word of mouth you know it was very right. much like an oral orally disseminated culture at the time there was magazines and shit like the source but ain't nobody talking about Shabadoo right, right <laughs> you right. know what I mean so, so yeah. yeah let me I just want to yeah. really really for the culture correct correct my errors because I think we were the breaking and entering movie was in yeah. my brain but I, I was talking about Beat Street when yeah. Beat Street came out that shit like solidified everything for me and i was yeah i saw that in real time like i was in third grade when that came out right mm -hmm. so for you i was gonna say you're a little bit later yeah. if you were to see that it's already yeah. old and the culture has already right. progressed by that time so it would be mm -hmm. you know probably also still look a little hollywood to you yeah. for me even though if i watch it now yeah. i could see like even beat yeah. street is way hollywood right, right. but at that time it's all we had and it was like i think i saw electric boogaloo before i saw breaking one so oh, really oh yeah, that, uh, electric <laughs> boogaloo was like yo we gotta save the we gotta yeah. save the community center miracles with a dance and we're gonna put on a show at the end yeah it was it was pretty trash you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. hey but but yeah um beach street yeah, yeah, yeah. uh absolutely um integral integral to hip-hop culture spreading breakdancing spreading around the world without without that it would have never hit europe europeans would have never known about graffiti they would have never you know what i mean uh, who knows how the, how it works but word up i forget what tangent we are to get back to this um like, but when let's, did you let's first get into hip-hop okay saying, so right. when did i really know that i was hip-hop or was i into the yeah. culture i would say yeah third once you know i was doing yeah. some of the things that were part of hip-hop culture and then when i saw beach street it was like oh okay this is yeah. what it is so let, let me get do your you take remember on it? the oh. first album you purchased with your own money first hip-hop album that i purchased yeah. with my own money or both um i can remember mine but i didn't purchase wow. a lot of I, I, I used yeah, like I a did. columbia house like a dollar like like one dollar gets you like 12 cds or whatever and then you yeah, just sign up another name and do the same thing. Yeah. I don't remember, but I want I want to say shout out to that. I want to say D Nice. My name I want to say D Nice. Mm, it was something they, they call him D Nice. It was or no, Edutainment came out way later, so I mm. There's only a few albums that I went out and bought cuz I always got stuff from friends. It was like mixtape culture. Yeah. So I was always able to dub stuff from people you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i always had something to offer as well because like i said my brother had records my dad had turntables so i was able i was able to record tapes right so i didn't start buying stuff until high school i think really and i'm thinking d nice i remember the tape i remember the, the colors and i remember really I, I know i bought that with my own money but i, I might have bought Something is that the joint where he's like uh, it's like a white cover and he's standing and he got like the zoot suit type of suit like that orange. 90s yeah like that 90s like fly nice. guy suit you know what i mean my brother-in-law used to wear those joints <laughs> man 
hitting the running man doing <laughs> them shits. But yeah, let me ask you, man, as a four element head, how, is it very corny for us to still say that we are hip hop? It's uh, kind of like a it's like a passe I mean, thing to be like, I am hip hop now, right? Well, you know, I, I I don't think so. I don't think I think that's a generational thing. So if you come from the generation that accepted that yeah. as a phrase, then it's still valid. You know what I mean? But. I, I you never did that though, right? Like, you weren't from that type of cloth, like where you're like, "Yo, I am hip hop." I have hip hop tatted on my chest. So, oh shit, yeah. I never seen Lay with the shirt off, so I'm just gonna take <laughs> his word for that. What font did you use? Comic <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's oh, ill. Shit. But you okay. know, it's crazy because uh, I don't want to go on any tangents, but I'm gonna go ahead anyway. I I What's used to shit? I used to get checks signed. That said, I am hip hop. Like, and that's when I was like, damn. Wait, break that down for me. What do you mean? Like, Like, sign this check to, uh, I mean, mean, (laughs) this check is to hip hop. Sorry, I was making clear. I was working for a company called I Am am Hip Hop. No, no, no. no, no. I was working for a company called I Am Hip Hop. Ah. Right? And it was a website. It's super trash now. It's defunct. I think you can still go to the URL and it's probably still there, but it's there's nothing valid about it anymore. But anyway, it was a website called I Am Hip Hop and I used to do production for them, video production for them. So the checks, when I would get a check, you know what I mean? To go cast a check, the check was like from I Am Hip Hop. Like, and I used to be like, damn, like I fucking yeah. made it. Like, yeah, that's pretty dope. Straight from you know the source, I mean? from the motherland yeah. with your bitch ass. Yeah. Well, not from the source. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it'll be like from Africa. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Anyways, I was talking was about Benzino. Oh, hey, there we go. See, that's why we work closely together. If I don't catch it, he got. You know it. who was on the cover of the very first source? Karis One, and then after that, shit went awry. And uh, I got this from Karis One himself was telling me this shit. Why? Because I was interviewing him one time, and I was representing the company IamHipHop.com. And he had some type of way. He felt some type of way about that because, as far as I know, that phrase came from KRS One. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's where I first heard it. I am hip hop came from KRS One, mm-hmm. and he coined that phrase, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and somebody created a company out of it, and he didn't get any. He didn't get a penny from it, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so here I come, looking like KRS One. By the way, since I was in like. Sixth, seventh grade, people used to tell me, You look like Harris one before mm. I even knew who he was. And that's mm. when I was in Okinawa. I lived in Okinawa when I was in sixth grade. So it was like sixth or seventh grade, people started telling me. It was like so base kids telling you that or like huh? Japanese kids? No, base kids? kids. Base kids. Mm. I went to school on base. Mm. So this is 86 going into 87, BDP just dropping and stuff. Like, you look like Karis One. I was like, who's Karis One? Wow. I don't see yeah. it. Yeah, BDP. Don't you don't need. Well, now it's. Yeah. You know, oh, probably, okay. Yeah, but, back yeah. then. But a lot of people told me for years. Uh, Karis' nose is wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, his nose is hella wider. Looked like a bell pepper. But I also used to have. You know where his nose is from? <laughs> it looked like the back of a fist. Go ahead. From the source. I don't know. Is that an industry rule? Like, Africa. Africa. <laughs> uh, I don't see it though. Okay. Huh? But that's what's so, up. Uh, Yo, shout out to KRS-One. I didn't mean no disrespect by the bell pepper line. (laughs) All right. But uh, yeah, yeah. previous sponsor of the show, I believe. Yeah. So he felt some type of way about that and like kind of gave me the third degree about what makes you, you know, he questioned me about that. I remember. I love to do that. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciated that because in the end, 
he granted me the interview, which means I passed the I am hip hop test by the I am hip hop man himself or mm, whatever, true. right? Even though the company was owned by somebody he, I guess, didn't feel was authentically part of the culture, which it happens that way a lot of oh, times. Oh, yeah. Right? That was black culture company. Get into. What's that? Black Probably company. Not. I made it black. Mm, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Was yeah, it yeah, run yeah. by like Lear Cohen? Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll give shout outs because these cats, like, um, it was a Jewish guy and a black guy. And uh, the guys, the they were partners. One of those guys' name was Israel. Another guy's name was Alex. Is and the is the Jewish guy Alex and the black guy Israel? <laughs> <laughs> I think we know which one was okay, Israel. Okay, just and which one was Alex, right? But Alex uh, is the son of. Do you know uh, Clarence Avon? Clarence Avon. Clarence Avon. Yeah, Google that name sometime. He's like a Barry Gordy kind of guy. He's like up there with Quincy and Barry. Those are like personal friends of his, like Quincy Jones, Barry Gordy. Mm. You know what I mean? So he was in the music industry and the entertainment industry. Older guy. What's that? Avon. Yeah. What's that? Like Avon, like the door to door Avon deodorant. I should say Avant. Avant. I should say like Avant. Avant. And I think you remember that R&B group Avant. I might be going on a limb here. At the end of the shit. I might be going on a limb here, but I think there's a relation with that Avant. A V A N T. It's just one guy, right? Probably. I've never seen it with the accent, but but anyway, some guy. This guy, you know, he had lots of connections within the music industry. This is the guy that a little bit older than me. He was like, yeah, I remember Wu Tang when they used to come to L.A. and sleep on my floor. Like, okay. What? Like, yeah, because okay. my dad is this record exec and oh. that kind of stuff. So he so, had. There was like. So there was a lineage from. He wasn't exactly like an outsider that came into no, the culture. No, Alex like, wasn't, but okay. he was more focused on the entertainment like kind of where hip-hop is today more on the i would call it mainstream back then okay and then israel was really focused on the underground he put out have you ever seen the freshest kids Docu- yes yeah absolutely israel produced that oh shout so out to them. even though he's That's a, good a documentary jewish guy and from the outside people might be oh he's a culture vulture no nah, this cat is like real i mean like well, sure he, he, he he's that's the wonderful thing about hip-hop culture is that it like as it moved on, like you could be from whatever right. segment of the population and be a real hip hop head. Right. However, there are definitely a lot of culture there vultures. There are cu- culture it. vultures, but these you know two, I mean? they validated that they went to school together. They grew up like in Beverly Hills because okay. of their families had money, right? Yeah. But I saw footage of them both together popping and breaking when they were like in sixth grade or something. I was like, okay, you guys are really childhood sure. friends who really love hip hop. You put out this documentaries about, you know, you, you know, people don't put out documentaries to make a lot of money. Like, you know right, what I mean? Like, right. so. But because his, he was the face behind I Am Hip Hop for a lot of people who knew that he, it was his company, it, 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 people felt some type of way about yeah. it. And then like me and a couple other people that were part of it kind of validated like, oh no, we're like hardcore underground, sure. whatever, cats and stuff. Yeah. Well, we definitely still had a very strong protectionist vibe yeah, yeah, about yeah. hip hop culture back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nowadays it's like, oh, Post Malone, hey, welcome to the party. Right. Do I have gunshots? <laughs> Anyways, so so you're working with this company, and this is your beginning, like of like making money off of your passion in hip hop. Is this what brought you to Japan? That is what brought me to Japan in the beginning, actually. Okay. Uh, well, no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's for money. It did. Okay. Uh, but I came here prior to that, doing filming hip hop culture just on my own, on my own dime, on my is, own accord. Is this the Shucks Files? Yeah, exactly. So the Shucks Files. Yeah, actually, let us know about that. And- should we go and find these videos on no. YouTube? No, we shouldn't look at them anymore. <laughs> you, All right. you can if you want to, but it, 
Uh, the RZA had a really dope one where it was like, what is he talking about? Like sucker ass DJs or some shit? Something like that. Some yeah. Fake, fake DJs. ass DJs. Mm-hmm. So the Shucks files, I have to take it way back, which brings it to our parallels. I used to have a, a radio show back in 97 called The Music and Strength Show. Right. So this is when I was going to school at Cal State Northridge. So I was in college and I started a radio show outside of the school. Like in Hollywood, I found this little, little ghetto radio station that was looking for producers. And I went down there and I got a show right so i started producing i think it was weekly and i called it music and strength and for me it was about exposing independent artists of various genres not just hip-hop but artists who couldn't make it on mainstream radio and also strength which was having discussions and um uh dropping knowledge basically right so that was the name of the show music and strength in the process when i was going to school i was studying film production television production i should say so i was a visual cat and i started filming a lot of stuff within hip-hop culture so i started calling my videos music and strength as well and exposing like b-boys graffiti stuff that i couldn't put on the radio show which was mainly dance and art right and so through that i met a lot of people and people became down with me because I was trying to expose them. So then I started the Music and Strength crew. And that's how the crew started with some personal friends from back home in Oceanside, which was like my party crew, AOK crew. And then, but they were all B-boys and DJs and MCs. And then I brought tons of new people into it, right? So within that- I feel like I've heard of AOK. Those are we used quite to rep a few. Uh, HDK, Higher Dimension Crew. You know what? what I look at? Yeah. What? My cousin is uh, Mega G. Yeah. I don't know who Mega G is. Yeah, he's a little later, but yeah. I know about Higher yeah. Dimensions. That was a HDK, dance crew. Man. Those, these cats are hardcore. Super dope. Yeah, 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 we were at um, uh, Freestyle Session 97 or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Freestyle Session 3. Yeah. Hey, yeah. If crew. you were in Oceanside, then you've probably heard of AOK. Fam Crew as well. Yeah, yeah. HDK. Yeah. I, Yo, I do you know um, uh, Guidebook? Uh, Guidebook Beats? Yeah. I know Joe? who he is. Yeah, Joe? Yeah, Joe. yeah, yeah, yeah. man. He's I went to high school to, with him. Yeah, okay. he was homie, man. Very close to oh, people shit. that I know. See, this is what I be talking about about hip-hop culture. Sometimes that real underground shit is like, you got a homie. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's still out here, man. Well, he still makes music, but he turned his life over to Jesus Christ. Okay. And so most of his Facebook posts are about that, but man, that's the homie. Bro, that's crazy. You said HDK. That's yeah. crazy, man. So, Sorry yeah. to break up the no, tangent no, 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 and shit, no, no. but you know, sometimes uh, it has you to be smoking. That. Yeah. So... Through all of that music and strength stuff, I started something called the Shucks Files, which was kind of like, you know. So it was, wait, so this is like mid two thousands. This is like ninety eight, okay, nine. Okay. You know when the crew first started. So early, yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. I was running around everywhere, all over um, Cali, and just taking my camera and audio equipment and recording people doing interviews and that kind of stuff um and creating little underground tapes so i used to make uh films documentary films just independently at home and transfer them onto vhs tapes and then take two vcrs and dub tapes and, spin. Dub. and you had to do it in real time there was no like yep. if the video was two hours you had to sit for two hours and let that dub for two hours and if i had to make 50 copies that's how many hours I had to spend to make all yeah. those copies and put them all in my backpack and then yeah. go to events and stuff I and try to like slang them. We so. used to have the double VCR, you know? Oh, and then you could, you could dub in like 2X or whatever or 4X, uh, nah. but the quality would be <laughs> whacker, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Right. But hey. Yeah. So I was doing that. Tapes and, and VHS, no, no, cassette tapes and VHS tapes. That's I used to spend all my time wow. at home just dubbing, dubbing, dubbing and going out to events and slanging them or giving them away and stuff. And that was the Shucks Files was just stuff that I went around filming and putting out. So um, 
yeah it started like that as far as your question about japan when i came here it was when you know i started working with that company um i am hiphop.com but prior to that i was already doing the shucks files and they liked you know they were they started this website they were looking for people basically just like me and i showed them what i had and they hired me and they sent me all over the u.s filming you know i went on the rock the bells tours um so i was you know with all those art all the artists on the rock the bells tour you know um filming behind the scenes filming the live shows and that kind of stuff and then i eventually told them you know you should send me to japan because they have hip-hop culture out there and they know who we are they know who our artists are but we don't know who they are mm-hmm. and there's nobody doing it so mm-hmm. why don't we be the first website that's like really exposing what's going on out there so they sent me out here quite a few times so that was really cool great experiences i've come out here all expense paid and Dope. just maneuver through the scene and you know what i mean yeah. i actually have a question from um Putafeche, our guy our guy at the breakdown adam and um he he wanted to know who was the most interesting person that you interviewed or Ever. maybe yeah or maybe like the person that you were most starstruck by or something of that nature because <laughs> man you you've actually uh just according going back to some of the videos that you still have posted on facebook there's a lot of really talented super influential major figures that you were interviewing on these shucks files can before you say who is the most interesting can you give us like just shout out some names of people that you're interviewing out here in japan for the show or i mean in general man yeah in general because i would say in general um yeah man uh ice cube snoop uh paris one uh rizza rizza um i mean hieroglyphics crew de la soul i saw even the uh, Black Eyed Peas before they blew up, all you know. When they were really stuff. dope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they got uh, when they got what's her face in there, the the, Fergie, the one that yeah, Fergie long peed that. on the stage. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, Black Eyed Peas, Dead Prez. Wait, excuse uh, me. You don't remember when she she uh they came to the show late and then she uh she couldn't use the bathroom because they were up, so she went and she peed behind the speaker. And when she came back, she had a big pee pee stain on her pants. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to that. Fergie. Yeah, shots fired. Do I have that? No, uh, I like Will I Am, but you know I've never been a fan of Fergie. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yo, I love to break up the podcast with my own bullshit. That's why we don't call these interviews and we just call them conversations. Conversation. I'll be talking too damn much. I'm sorry. Go on, please. No, I mean, I, I, it's, my memory is fading me right now, but it's a long list of people that I encountered and was able to like do interviews with and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. I mean, any any of them stand out to you as being like a moment where you're like, I got good information. I had a really interesting interaction with this person. Was somebody like kind of trash or you know what I mean? What is that? I don't know what that is. Sounds dope, though. Oh, that's right. This is in a commercial that I put in uh, before. (laughs) <laughs> Yo, that beat was, be was dope though, right? I chopped that one up uh, from another track. Hey, all right, let's go on. So uh, I'm not leaving that in, by the way, y'all. <laughs> Shit, that's gonna get. Where, 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 that's just gonna be there. 
Yeah, I was, I was like, like, who is that? I was like, lady, I was looking you around for a second. I was like, <laughs> I was waiting for it to yeah. drop, though. I was yeah. like, yeah, you cut it right before it dropped. Yeah, it sounded it so heavenly. I was like, yeah, I guess this is it. Yeah, that was a commercial. That was a commercial break I used for another episode, which lets me know that we're uh, we're talking for a nice long <laughs> oh, amount of time and shit. Right. I guess I didn't re- remove it. We'll but, break yeah. it down. Are we going to commercial right now? No, no, hell no. We got to talk more about this. Okay. Um, we were, what were we saying? We were talking about uh, somebody, somebody that stood so, out. Yeah, somebody. You said you said KRS One tried to press you a little bit, but I mean anything else like that? Yeah. I, um, he was very interesting because I, I, I got to meet with him quite a few times. So, And the last time that I actually met with him was I found out it was at his house. So I was in his backyard interviewing him. And I and that's when I found out he lived like three streets over from me in L.A. And I was like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, shit. Yeah, crazy. But um, as far as starstruck, you know, never really been starstruck by these artists. But except for Erica Badu. I was starstruck by Erica Badu in person. She was mm. like freaking gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. I was looking. I just remember looking at her toes. She had open toe shoes, and I was like, "Damn, this, those toes are tight." So yeah, she's, she's got beautiful toes. Like, <laughs> I hear that that's weird. You meet somebody real beautiful, you know, some wild shit. Like, damn, she got nice ass elbows. Yeah. Check out them forearms, fam. Nah, because I was on her already. Like, I loved her music, and then you know, I was able to go to her show and get backstage to interview her and. She was like, she was just so, just so um, humble. When we walked in, it was me and another friend. And uh, we had to wait in the hallway for a long ass time because there was other, other people that wanted to interview her and stuff. So we weren't at the top of the list, right? Actually, we were the last people too. And I think that was dope because she waited until the important people left so that she could start eating. So when we walked in, she was already, she was eating and she was like, Baby, y'all hungry? You know, you guys want something to eat? You hungry? Like, and she was sitting there. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm so hungry. Like, what she was she just, eating? I don't remember what Cap- she was Captain eating. Captain Crunch berries and shit? I don't remember what she was mm. eating, but she was... Uh, these are was, these are the deep dives that I like to get into <laughs> on the podcast. We want to know the facts. So. I wish I had a better yeah. memory. But I just remember being like... It was so unexpected. I just didn't expect it to be so, like, so her to be... Even though I feel yeah. that she's a down-to-earth person through her music and her interviews and stuff, but... When I had the chance to actually meet her in person, I was like, wow, she's yeah. cool, man. She's just cool. And she was like, she had all the time in the world. You know, it wasn't rushed and just, um, yeah, I was just, I was starstruck by her. But other, I'm not really starstruck by rappers. I'm not starstruck mm-hmm. by, you know, I was really taken back when I met Ice Cube, though, because he was so super also humble, super cool. Like, you know, I was thinking, he, he, I don't it's know. fucking Ice Cube. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? He didn't give me the Ice Cube face or nothing. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, it was just yeah. like cool. So, other than that, no bad experiences so, with people. Yeah, like I had a bad experience up? with Busta Rhymes. Oh. I had a bad experience with Busta Rhymes. Yeah. On the, uh, what's that? Jamaican. Oh, Jamaican. <laughs> uh, yeah. Busta Rhymes. One time I was at the Source Awards. It was 2000, the year 2000. Source Awards 2000, and uh, in Pasadena, I believe. And I was at the red carpet. All these artists coming through. I remember Lil Wayne. <laughs> I remember at that time. When Lil Wayne and it was um what's his crew? The uh Hot Boys. Yeah, the Hot Boys. At the time it was the Hot Boys, right? Mm-hmm. But Lil Wayne was I think he was just about to come out as Lil Wayne because he had this big ass tour bus and it was like on the side of it was him with his shirt off. Seven hundred degrees. Probably, Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh That's and I just right. despised him at the time. Five hundred. Me five hundred? Lil Wayne. Okay. At the My time bad. I despised him because it was just like this big 
you know, he sent this big current through hip hop culture, right? Like the Hot Boys, right? Yeah, at the I time, didn't, Bling Bling, like right? Hot Boy shit. Yeah, yeah. So when they entered the red carpet, I remember standing there and they're like walking past, and uh, I just wanted to punch him in the face. I remember <laughs> literally like. <laughs> 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 I'm not, and no disrespect to oh, Lil yeah. Wayne. Or no, damn, no disrespect. We're Shucks. going back. This is 20 years now, right? That's this what I was going 20 years. You, you were going to assault a minor at that point. At yeah. that time, right? He's like, nah, but it was just, I was felt like so 15, personal about hip hop at that time. I felt sure. so passionate and personal. I was yeah. like, this is. There were the, the successors devil. to like No Limit, and I right. hated No Limit. So. so when he walked up, you know, I was at the beginning of the red carpet at that time, and I don't know if the placement was like the people who are not so important were there, and then like towards the end of the red carpet was like the MTVs or something like mm-hmm. that. Before Kurt Loader's back there and yeah, shit. Yeah, right. So I had access to like interview them. Like a lot, basically, when people first got on the red carpet, like you could like approach them and stuff. And like I just stood there, froze up, and like kind of like grilled them. You know what I mean? But I just remember his glare. He looked at me and looked away because it was like, obviously, I'm not like holding out my camera or mic to like interview them. And they just moved on. But it was I just remember I'll never forget that experience. Like if I had the chance, I probably would have got my I probably would have got murdered oh, yeah, if I had man. done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, it was so it was like it was juvenile. I was, I was like, like, you want to die? Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a you trying to interview for juvenile, the side, huh? That source rewards yeah. the juvenile end up. They ended up getting the, mm. the, the source rewards ended because they got in a big old fight oh, on the man. floor. Anyway. But anyway, Buster Rhymes, that same same time time uh he was like oh i tried to <laughs> i tried to reach out to him and stuff. he's like one of my heroes and shit and he was like giving the person next to me some game some play and then like the person on the other side of me he like skipped over me and i was like i don't get it and i was like busta busta and he like turned to my camera i still have this footage he turned to the camera and was like hold on i said hold on mm. like all angry and shit and then he just walked away it's like hold uh, on for what you didn't like mm. then right after that method man red man came up gave me all the time in the world dilated people all these other people you know curtis blow mm. people didn't it's crazy curtis blow couldn't get into the source awards i interviewed curtis blow about him not being able to get into the source awards mm. that was crazy i feel like yeah that was crazy. but that's the thing about the source awards and shit like you know they ain't gonna let prodigy and have it come in but when prodigy dies they're gonna have a you know a 10 minute you know joint celebrating prodigy or some shit so damn that's crazy though that's not the first time i heard about buster rhymes being wild truculent against an interviewer there was a some footage a couple years back where like somebody was like asking for an interview off the tour bus and he got really brolic like you can't have time for me so I, yeah. I take a shit i'll make sure everything remains well. the one who was like give me some more i just gotta take a shit is that wasn't that him ah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. and yeah. then another time with yeah, buster rhymes yeah. i didn't actually meet him physically the second time but another time he had a show at this place in in la and i was standing by the back door which where they told if you want to get an interview with them stand by there so I stood back there and like I guess his bodyguard or somebody came up and was like, "If you don't want to get yourself killed, you better get away from the back door." Oh, wow. I was like, "No, no, no! I'm here. I'm not doing anything. I got a camera. I'm here to bu- you know interview Buster Rhymes." He was like, "I think you better move. I think you." Better. <laughs> it was like he gave me that, Damn. like he put that fear in me. And yeah. uh, and actually, just prior to that, uh, he lost somebody. Like one of his bodyguards got murdered or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah. So uh, it was that was real... like an altercation. He was with like Dre, and it was like Suge and Dre had an altercation before that, and it was right before Suge ended up killing somebody in Dre's camp like a couple months okay. before I think is that accurate 
yeah, I don't know. So something happened. Kate, get on that. Let's about to say <laughs> which time with the car yeah. or yeah, well, else? yeah, like no, there was like an altercation. His bodyguard was shot, and it was uh, supposed to be between Dre and and Suge at that time, I think. Mm-hmm. And then like a couple, maybe months or a year later, or some shit. That's where Suge ran over one of Dre's people, mm-hmm. and why he's in jail f- now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that was kind of recent, wasn't it? Then no, this is this is before I moved to Japan. Oh, so this oh is... maybe that's not it then. No, okay, I don't know. Man. I mean, that was a while back. Yeah, that's hell a long time ago then. Yeah. Shit. Well, you know, I think like we we've interviewed uh, a couple people who are, uh, you know, have been important in the music industry, and so far we found that most of them are pretty damn cool and humble. But yeah. I always think that there's going to be that moment when we get somebody that wants to, you know, that that lets us interview them, and then when we get a, when we get with them, they're kind of assholes, and that's kind of the thing that I be kind of dreading, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm gonna respond to, you know, somebody disrespecting me on air, treat me like shit. I might have to. I might have to say something too, but I don't want to like you know walk away and be like, "Yo, I just was like fuck busting rhymes and shit." That's that's a little crazy, but how did you learn how to interview? I don't know. Maybe listening to other people do interviews. I guess I just I didn't take a class on it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, they didn't teach that in your course or anything. My major in school in college was RTVF at the time it was called RTVF which was radio television film I actually wanted to school go to school for film but the major was too expensive so I settled for television production but it was combined with radio television and film and I didn't learn one thing about radio in that, in that major oh yeah so that's why I went out of the school and went into this place it was called AR, I'm sure it's still there ARN American Radio Network <coughs> on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood and I just went there and I just started my own show and just started interviewing. I don't mm. I just yeah, but like you said, Sway, you know, one of my heroes yeah. as well. When I met Sway, I was like, man, I remember something I regret. I remember I met Sway quite a few times and um, the, one of the first times I met him, you know, I interviewed him and then after the interview, I was like, you know, yeah, you should have me come through and do some film like while you're doing your radio show this is way before mtv sway this is just he was power 106 you mm. know uh radio and, uh, sway and Shack, have, yeah before he had sway. video uh coverage of yeah. the show all that and i was thinking at that time like yeah you should have me come through and do video or something like that yeah. and i remember he said hit me up or something like like you know get at me that's what he said get at me get at me and i was like word 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 yeah. and i never yeah. pursued getting at him yeah. And then he became yeah. MTV Sway. <laughs> I, I heard Sway was like that with everybody, yeah, man. He yeah, was yeah. always down to work yeah. with people within the culture. He really is like one of like it, the highest tier for me when it comes to hip hop culture. I I legit lost my virginity while the Wake Up Show was playing in the background. <laughs> like I've just been a huge fan. Yeah, yeah. Like on the West Coast, we had the Wake Up Show. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't have uh, Stretch and Bobito, right, and that right, shit was right. kind of already ending by the time I was in high school so like the wake up show man i've been rocking with with sway since i was just like 14 maybe 13 years old i've been i've been a fan of him so that's dope man um let's let's go into you moving to japan and what type of things were you doing when you got out here i know you were throwing events and you're you eventually would work with uh the homies at breakdown or late and i are actually djing there tonight uh at the coins bar in shibuya we we love those guys that's one of our favorite events tell us uh, about your start here when you moved to japan and and kind of some of the things that you did out here okay when i first moved to japan i was actually out in osaka for a little while 
and I was doing same thing, video production. I was trying to get, you know, and I came out just freelance, so I didn't have a job waiting for me or anything. So I was just hustling basically. And um, so I was in Osaka and I had a pretty good network of artists, um, you know, visual artists and music artists out there that I that I rolled with, you know what I mean? But not everybody had had money to throw my way to keep me keep me afloat, you know what I mean? So um, when I first came out, like I said, it was because working with that website, came out quite a few times on business trips, made some connections, and then I decided to move here because someone who I met in Osaka uh, was also a video producer and a graphic um, graphic artist, basically Basir, he goes by Basir, and um, basically is a brother from Detroit who I met on the street, I was filming some graffiti artists, and this dude walks up to me, he's like, yo, what's up? I was like, yo, what's up? And then he's like, what kind of camera? I got the same camera, something like that. We started talking about the camera that I had, and he was saying he had the same one. And long story short, this dude was interested in building a website that covered hip hop, um, electronic, and fashion, a couple other things like pop culture, underground culture as well in uh, Japan. And we stayed connected, and he was like, yo, if you want to come out here, if you want to live out here, I can help you get a visa if you can help me produce content for my website which he ended up building, which was called Future Sound TV at the time. Yeah, that's also defunct Have you now. heard of that late? I feel like that's familiar to me, but Future Sound not. TV. yeah. So um, he connected me with some guy in Osaka who had a company that was um, modifying like production equipment. Like, you can hand him this, you know, 404, and he could put some extra knobs and buttons on it and make it do something else or give him a guitar or something. And so he was, like, real technical. And um, he basically wanted some international employees, so he hired me in a sense, put me under his business name so that I can get a visa, but I still had the hustle to make my own money out here. So I moved to Tokyo, started working with Basir, and started doing um, English lessons, but I wasn't, I'm not an accredited English teacher. What I did was create programs for kids to learn English using hip hop culture. So I went to, go ahead, you gonna say something? I'm trying to do that right now. Okay, so what I did was I approached people that already have English schools and I created a curriculum I created my whole thing right and approached them with like this is what we can do as a side thing to your school to help kids enjoy English and to have the confidence to use English instead of just study English right, right? so um, I started doing that and then back in the States before I moved to Japan I was already doing events a lot of community based events at coffee shops and basically at cafes and coffee shops and stuff. There were open mic events, but I always had the elements, always had four elements. We'd have somebody painting live. We'd have the B-boys, you know, this B-boy circle, MCs and everything. So it was always all ages. It was always free. And that's just what I like to do as a community service. And it was always, it basically gave me and my crew, the Music and Strength crew, a place to always be able to perform and rehearse and just to get together and stuff. So. I was doing that, but when I moved to Japan, I found that in Osaka, at that time at least, uh, the hip hop community, people could refer me to other people. Like when I would ask, if I was, if I met some MC, I'd be like, who else do you think is dope in Osaka? They would tell me like, oh, how about this guy or this guy or dancers would network me with other people. But coming into Tokyo, it was like cats would keep, they're dis they wouldn't they wouldn't want to introduce me to others it was like you don't need to know about who else is dope just just know me right mm. so i decided to create events at the at the time it was in shibuya the pink cow when it was in shibuya 
Mm. Uh, I created an event called Premium, and I think it was every Thursday or every other Thursday, twice a month. And it was basically the same things that I was doing in the States. You know, I was trying to bring the hip hop community together here in Tokyo and get people to network with each other. But it turned out to be, it was dope. It turned out to be more foreigners than the Japanese. I was really hoping that it would be more Japanese people coming out mm-hmm. and mingling with each other. But it, it was more foreigners coming out saying, oh, this reminds me of something back in LA or back in New York. It's yeah. like, that's cool, but yeah, it's like not serving the purpose that, that Man. I wanted it to. So. I gotta say that um, you're kind of dashing all my dreams here. <laughs> like the, a lot of the things that you've done and accomplished and moved on from are a lot of things that I'd like to accomplish out here in Japan in terms of the type of gigs, like a real f- like four element community based idea that pulls in Japanese people, that pulls in foreigners, um, you know, the curriculum for the schools. A lot of these things are are things that I w- would like to you participate do and do. But like what 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 soured your maybe, maybe you, you haven't said soured, but what no, what no. what were there any difficulties that you faced that that caused you to feel as though you didn't want to pursue these endeavors as much anymore, or was it oh, just your life just got only positive? Different? Okay, positive, positive reason. Dope, well, dope. Well, maybe my one, dreams are not dashed. Then. Actually, I mean, the um, well, the thing about Premium Hip Hop Lounge uh, at the Pink Cow. The only reason I stopped doing that is because the Pink Cow moved to Rapongi. So I won't say this is a positive reason it's for me. It's still in right? There's yeah. a pink cow. Okay. There's a pink cow there, and then and then Tracy, the owner, she opened up another one in Akasaka, I believe. I haven't been to that one yet, but um, Rapongi for me uh, was the where the location of where the venue. Nothing against the pink cow at all, but for my event, the event that I wanted to do that I was doing, it fit in Shibuya, even though it wasn't like in gold the the the, the main street it was kind of center guy yeah it wasn't in it center guy. it wasn't where you know the breakdown is in like a prime location right yeah it's like right there tokyo hands right there the whatchamacallit pink cow was in a different part of shibuya but it was still shibuya so you still got off the train in shibuya so if you said your event was in shibuya and you're promoting to a bunch of hip-hop heads they'll come to it right mm. but the thing about where the location is in Rapongi, it's not saying that people wouldn't come but there's already an element of a different type of crowd in that area mm-hmm. and i didn't want that crowd to interrupt what was going what what i had planned there it was yeah. and it was it's like the location is it's perfect for foot traffic so that also made it easier for the wrong crowd to intrude into my event is what i felt i just didn't want to pursue doing you. it there that's the only yeah. reason i stopped doing that event is because the location moved and i was at the time looking for other locations in shibuya to do it but then something else happened which was life so um you know i started my work took it a different finds direction. a way <laughs> well something you said about the like the kids right i was doing the hip-hop classes and stuff right and um that led me to bigger opportunities so now the last six years i've been contracted to do events for a major theme park uh for it's a theme park for children educational they call it edutainment lo and behold krs one first time i ever heard shit. yeah the first time i ever Yo, heard that was don't KRS let him catch one. you again Yo, KRS you know, you I, mean, I was like you're gonna be like you you know, you owe me a you check. <laughs> i didn't get i came into this company and i was like and they told me like yeah our concept is edutainment i was like what <laughs> yeah so the kids um it's it's a dope 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 
place for kids. Okay. Yeah, Shout you, out to Kidzania Tokyo. It's yeah. all it's actually worldwide. So I got the opportunity to work with that company and create cultural events and that really it helped expand me a lot more. It was no more about hip hop even though I've done I've done hip hop culture week there where I had instructors teach beat making, um, DJ, dance, all the four elements we had rap and all that stuff. So but other than that, I'm creating events about various cultures. So my next event is about African Caribbean cultures. It's on February 28th. If you have any, anybody listening, if you have kids between the ages of three to 15 years old, get at me. I could probably get you in free. Um, and the kids are going to learn African dance, uh, African percussion, arts and crafts, a um, bit of history and all that. And I've got people from Ghana, Senegal, so the U.S. I should link um, you with Niall. Okay. Do you know Niall Kenza? No, I don't think so. He throws a kids in kid motion dance party actually. Yeah. Okay, the kids in motion I've yeah. heard of. Yeah, yeah. He, he works. Yeah, I don't know if it's that's his, his project. Company. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think we're part of maybe the same Facebook Black in Japan kind of uh, black, black, yeah, black creatives, yeah, Black yeah, creatives yeah, Japan yeah. group yeah. or something like that. So I've definitely or, seen the kids in yeah, motion yeah. Uh, post. Oh, so, great yeah. guy, super talented musician and, oh. and all around dope, uh, dope dude. But yeah, it's a kids dance party for like ages three to. I don't know. Far like around the same young age, kids, yeah, yeah. It's like parents and kids get together, and and those I think those type of things are uh, important out here, especially if you've got you know double kids that are right. like multi ethnic or whatever right. to uh, yeah. experience these things. So that's really dope, man. But uh, there is negative. I forgot there was yeah. some negative experiences, right? So I felt I, when I was doing some stuff with some of the schools, um, I did feel like I was getting taken advantage of at some point by certain people um you know i was like damn this is my whole curriculum my whole concept but like i'm getting paid only this much and they're getting this much but then again it's their it's their venue it's their clientele so it's mm -hmm. but at some point you got to just kind of weigh the factors out and and realize when you should like fold them you know what i mean and yeah so i decided to fold it on some on some people and other opportunities opened up and so, uh, you know, I what about your experiences with those kids teaching them hip hop culture? Was it well received? Did they all, you know, any of them the that grew up and is like, you know, you know, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Definitely to be, you know, I've been doing that already in the States. I worked closely with at risk youth. So I did like, you know, I was a mentor and a basically a house parent to kids living in group homes. Right. These are kids that coming out of juvenile hall or coming from parents who are in jail or on drugs and this and that so i was a house parent like teaching these kids like you know brush your teeth clean your room taking them to school doing you know to the doctors all that like a, like a parent to them but at the same time i brought in programs for them on my own you know i'd bring my own digital four track recorder and set up and like you know record people you know rhyming and teaching them some skills just to make it fun, make my own job fun as well i also used to take them out on trips to like i used to go to take them out in l.a and, you know, the way I kept in the scene was I would always go to certain shops and pick up flyers from the stores. You know, the, the flyer section for all the parties coming up. So I had to do that anyway. So I was like, let me just bring these guys along while I'm working. I'm on the clock. Like, you know, take them a new experience. And I, I basically took them to art shows and things like that. So I was into that. When I came to Japan, it was like a different experience because here are some kids who have no clue like what the culture not just hip-hop culture but just like the american culture or black culture or whatever what my background was they just were clueless to it so to be able to like teach hip-hop culture to kids 
and use it as a way for them to enjoy learning English was like a really incredible experience. But I didn't teach it to them with the hopes that any of them would grow up to be a DJ or a graffiti writer or anything like that. It was it was all about the English. So their focus was on enjoying and utilizing English, but they learned a lot about hip hop culture in the process. We watched films. They even when I when I would walk in the room or any of them came in the room, we all had handshakes, certain, you know, we didn't shake like this. It was like a slap slap pump, you like know, some, I mean? like, like some daps and shit. Yeah, daps. Yeah, yeah. They learned like that kind of stuff. So we just made it fun. But, um, you know, to this day, I can't say any of them grew up and is inspiring. Only one, there's one girl who whose mom continued to contact me up until maybe two or three years ago. And the last time she contacted me was she was asking me where she can buy spray paint cans. So I hipped her to like certain shops where she could buy spray paint cans because she was really talented. Like, you know, I'd, I'd have them draw graffiti with pens, like look at actual like murals and like try to copy the styles and stuff. And she was really talented. I told her, you're really talented at that. And like, you know, one of her goals was to be a, to become a manga artist. And I was like, you could definitely, you definitely have the skills. And I told her, mom, she, she definitely has the skills to be any kind of artist she wants to. So a couple years went by and then she contacted me on Facebook and was like, yeah, my daughter wants to know where to buy spray paint cans. And I was like, hooked her up Dope. with a few links. I don't know what, what she was about to go do with those cans or not, but uh, yeah. Word up, man. Uh, Sounds really dope. Well, shoot, I don't really have any more questions uh, about your experiences here in Japan. Do you got anything late? You said you're working together with the company, putting on events and things, uh, cultural events yeah. with uh, involving children. You got anything else like future prospects or currently that you have going right now? Since Are you doing any more event promotion? With that company? Or... Like Outside when you general, were doing yeah. premium or oh like yeah that. that's um right now no i'm not thinking of anything outside or just anything at all uh my daughter's birthday party coming up in two weeks <laughs> that kind of thing but no nah, um i'm seeing if i can hit that it's on a sunday work. right yeah it's on okay. a sunday and you is that pink cow you gotta yeah, bring, bring your little one man that's what it's all about no 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 it's that it's no i'm just kidding okay but um yeah the the work that i'm doing right now for the company pretty much consumes my time like it would be really difficult for me to organize an event outside of that like an actual recurring event mm. you know kind of thing so i'm not too focused on that but um and i'm really enjoying it you know i work with the embassies so i regularly meet with like ambassadors and cultural departments of different embassies in tokyo and i get to feel important and shit you know what i mean so it's like you know and they're paying me to do it so um, i'm hoping that my contract continues to get renewed because it's just a it's just a year-to-year -year contract you know what i mean and Word. at any time they could be like well it was a good run like we don't need you anymore you know but hopefully that continues on and uh if it doesn't then i'll definitely be <laughs> looking to <laughs> organize some kind of yeah event right y'all yeah, got so. any big plans for next year at the company or you mean y'all y'all as in for yeah the events planning or the embassy because of the olympics and thing uh no i need mm. to start thinking about that right now actually so right now my head is buried into the event the next immediate event which is in on february 28th so each event it takes me like three months four months to wow. complete planning you know what i mean so basically once things are it's almost all solidified now and then i can start thinking about what's the next event that kind of thing so but as far as what's coming up for 2020, nothing specific yet. I know that we need to focus a lot on 
culture and exposing Japanese kids to various cultures and English.、Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that the 2020 Olympics solidifies the reason why they need to renew my no contract. Doubt, no doubt. You know what I mean? But you never know. So, yeah.、Um, but. As mentioned earlier, you know, it's just a pleasure to be here on, a, on Thanks, a, you know, discussing hip hop and seeing、yeah. how you guys operate. And, and what you said, your passion, even though I may have done a lot of the things that you hope to do or want to do, you know, I think I definitely know that you can do it. And now that I've been here so long and know a bit more, I feel confident that I can always go back and do it. So we could do some stuff together. Yay, you know what I mean? that's what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah,、so、I agree with Mega Man. Like, a lot of the things you were saying do sound a lot like a lot of the things Mega said that he's aspiring to do. We've got Or some, we've got、like、some shit bubbling. Your,、um, yeah. When you were saying you wanted to bring the hip hop together、right. in Japan, but it ended up being like a lot of foreigners. Right. I was、but、like, it's man, it's like, it's like a tale as old as time. No, I'm not saying it's your fault because I see a lot of, like you said, there are a lot of parallels. Or, like Mega said, like, I could see where that would happen because we're always saying, you know, everything's so segregated and balkanized, not by race, not even just by race. Like the Japanese beat makers only click up.、Right. Yeah.、Uh, there are different kinds of hip hop. The dancers don't really fuck、Shit. with anybody outside of the dance scene. And, you know, we want to bring that all together, but,、yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult than, you know, just coming over to、yeah. Japan and being like, oh, I can make this happen.、Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, even someone so like me who felt like, oh, I've got all the credentials to make that kind of thing happen. And then once I came here and like actually permanently lived here, I found out、oh, it's a lot harder than I thought to make that happen. But I still believe I'm a positive thinker. And I think, you know, as long as I know there's other people like you, like you that are looking in that direction, then that's, that's great. Because I felt like all alone at the time, I was doing it all by myself. You、yeah. know what I mean? So, but I also feel. Like with people like you or people like Daisha and you know, whoever came before you, there's always these、It's、steps, been,、yeah. you know. Like hip hop didn't start off on you know the top of Billboard,、right. like there was Rapper's Delight, I mean, not you know what I mean, like commercially, yeah. And then it was all these increments, so it was just like, all right, hip hop's just、right. popular music now, yeah, yeah. So I feel Like, even if you didn't achieve maybe that goal that you wanted of bringing all the hip hop together, and if we also can't do that, then maybe we're all. Yeah, exactly. Somebody will at some point. Yo, you know yeah. Straight up, man. I just, I'm just trying to be there on the sidelines. So if I do see Lil Wayne, I can think about <laughs> punching him in the face too, fam. Yeah, Lil Wayne's fine, man. Yeah, he's, he's fine.、I、Hopefully, his drug addiction is. I actually I like him a lot, be- lot more than I did at that time. Yeah, yeah same. Mine is、ah. a lot more open. He became a really talented MC, like a phenomenally talented. Let's take this little commercial break right quick, and then we're going to come back into the weather report and then our discussion about the greatest album of all time ever、Fergie、in the last the hand, decade. Oh, yeah, Fergie's still trash. But I can't. Oh, I'm not going to talk about putting a woman shit. <laughs> Let's do it. Make a late show. Late's laughing. Episode 62. We'll be right back. This is Daisha Daewoo Hunter, your Tokyo ambassador of Black Connect. You are listening to Mega Late Show. Yo, welcome back to the Mega Late Show. We are here with our guest, Shucks One. Shucks One. 
with a W and a U and an N. Is yeah. there a W? Shucks. Shucks one. One. The one is spelled W U N. Ah, okay. Where, where, where. I have to give a shout out real quick since we're on that. There is another. Actually, there's probably more than two Shucks ones, but there's definitely another Shucks one in the LA area, and he's an amazing graffiti artist. And I I just read an interview. He's been around for a while. I just read a recent interview with him this week. I forget the website's name. It's a graffiti website. But um, yeah, Shucks one, amazing graffiti artist, but he spells it S-H-U-C-K-S. Sometimes he spells it with an X, but he never spells the one the way I spell it. So, and I've been writing Shucks one since 94, and he's been writing since 2004. Just got to put that out there. Hey, man. Let him know. <laughs> but you but know I, I, mean? can't do, I can't Trademark. do what he does, though. I was about to say, y'all should battle for it, but nah, nah, you just I get definitely it. lose. Like, I, was a, I was a tagger. He's an artist. No, I meant like. Right. Me too. <laughs> you know, I never really excelled past, past toy status. <laughs> I'm in, in Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah. Get his ass. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what I mean? So, I mean, back in graffitis, like, if you find somebody that else got your name, either you change your number to, like, a seven or some shit <laughs> and let them keep the one, or you got to go over their shit and have a real fucking graffiti battle where where you might get your ass beat. Yeah, graffiti, people used to fight. I've never really I've never really excelled at it. I never had great can control. I could yeah. piece up a book really nice yeah. and color it with some, you know, some Prisma markers or whatever, <laughs> but I've never been dope and my hand style has always been kind of ugly and shit. So Yeah, I mean, I mean, I like compared to a person that doesn't write at all, my my hand style is dope. Right. Compared to most of the people who've written on our table, my hand style is straight, but right. you know, I mean, I've never been dope at it we need you to sign the table too All by right. the way yeah get it up uh yeah mega late show damn we're gonna go into the weather reports right now yeah yeah right. about to play a track uh, i think we've all got one today yeah. at least the three people talking mm-hmm. so we're gonna share a track that we've been listening to or just want to present spark a little bit more of this conversation and that is this next section we're about to go into. And Mega, you're going to start it off? Yeah, I'm going to start it off with a friend of the show, a cat named uh, Mike Larry Draw, Shout who is out. from the Bronx, I think. I think BX. Mike's out there in, in, in the Bronx. Uh, sure we that. met him last year as he did like a four-city tour here in Japan. And he was at an art gallery in Shinagawa, maybe? Art and Shelter. It's Where? a hostel, but they tried to create this kind of... You know, like resi- artists in residence mm-hmm. kind of atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, he's really dope, man. I mean, he's been rocking in uh, he, he's been rocking New York. He's down. He's the founder of a anomaly conglomerate. He's uh, he 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 knows uh, Loki the trickster who was on the show. Loki's friends with our guy uh, Polly Rhyme, and uh, he's just a phenomenally talented artist. He does uh, he works within a bunch of different mediums. He's a rapper, producer. Uh, polymath type of individual just really really brilliant and uh i love how he always he always hits us up all the time to be like yo how y'all doing peace i still want to come out y'all i'm rocking with y'all and 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 he's always trying to share music with us and and discuss things with us so the last time that he was out here um or the the time that he was out here uh he found a lot of inspiration 
from you know visiting japan and he was only here for like two weeks on a four city tour and when he left he kind of realized according to him he realized what dilla felt when he when dilla came to japan and then he went back and created j love japan and this was kind of like a, a strong inspiration for him in creating this project and the project is called uh, wabi sabi and i think it comes out on february 22nd i may be wrong about that but i'm definitely going to put uh the information in the show notes and update y'all later and uh, wabi-sabi actually means uh, a way of living that focuses on beauty within the imperfections of life and uh, accepting peacefully the natural cycle of growth and decay. I love how the Japanese are able to contend, like condense these ideas into a few phrases or words. So Think it's called about wa- those cups with like uh, they've got like the gold. Maybe they've been broken and they've been glued back together, but it looks like uh, gold glue has been mm-hmm. put there. So even though it looks a little bit irregular, that's part of the beauty of it. Indeed. And so um, my, my guy, Mike Larry Draw, he created this uh, beat album uh, using a 404 and perhaps some other equipment. Uh, I didn't get too much information about him, about the way of, uh, the way that the tracks were produced. But the track that I want to share today is, I believe, number two on his album. And it's called Kami uh, Niro Keto. And so I'm going to go ahead and drop that now. Let me go ahead and, if you want to fade out late. This track's production is pretty interesting. And um, the album has so many different uh, sounds, like in different approaches to the production. So uh, no two tracks really sound the same. He uses a lot of uh, samples of things that perhaps he found here in Japan records or things that um, he relates to Japan. There's a lot of like uh, anime type of samples here. Uh, A lot of video game samples from, you know, maybe Japanese video games. As you can hear in the beginning, that the beginning was somebody counting, you know, and he just loops that. So it, it to me, it's a really interesting and fun listen because uh, the variety and, uh, you know, there's a uh, interesting musicality and approaches that he takes to these beats. This one starts off, um, you know, with this kind of uh, reoccurring uh, sample loop and you can hear synth being added in the background. I believe that he's he's produced those himself. Oh, dang, Dallinger, I didn't even realize you didn't have headphones on. You can't even rock with it. I'm sorry. Uh, But yeah, so um, yeah, Mike Larry Draw, he's just, you know, uh, one of my favorite new artists. And I actually didn't really know that he was as talented as he is um, producing. I I just knew him as a dope MC. And uh, yeah, this album comes out in in, uh, maybe about a month's time from now, like a few weeks, Wabi Sabi and... uh, Hopefully when he comes back, he'll be able to rock with us on the podcast and we can find more about his artistry and uh, things of that nature. But um, this track's just really dope. And and I like this second movement a lot uh, when it comes up here. You see like the sharp contrast, the variety uh, in sounds, man. He's just dope. 
And it sounds like it's so clean. His post-production's great. Uh, just a really beautiful album, and it's got several tracks on it, so I hope people pick that up and listen to this dude more because... And, and most of the album, I would say, are they're, they're beats that are produced to be works of music and not beats that, like, you would give to a rapper to throw verses over. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of that, and, and I wouldn't mind hearing some MCs over some of these beats, but largely I think that maybe these are supposed to stand alone as, like, expressing, uh, expressions of, you know, just musicality from him. So check Yo, out my Larry Drew. Yeah, yeah, very talented dude. Yeah. Word up. Extremely. Go go right into this. All right. Cause I thought this shit was dope as fuck. Oh, this is the documentary. <laughs> This is the documentary. It's the thing that's in. It's where the Stone Cold Nitro party begins. So listen, party people with the ear to the street, the college professor and the social elite, to the fly young guys and the pretty girls. I see it's going to tell you about the hip-hop world. Hip-hopping is a way of life with graffiti and rapping on the mic. As the record scratch to the breakers beat. I've never heard anybody say hip-hopping. Oh, man. I'll be hip-hopping sometimes. So this is Ice-T? Yeah, young Ice-T. With the, uh... You know, this is back when they still were dressing like wrestlers. Yeah. It's definitely well, that Melly Mel, you know, uh, yeah. Furious Five, uh, live and direct outfits, that kind of like pre-Run DMC cool, yeah. you know? But I don't know, man. Something about that aesthetic and that vibe. Not that it's uh, not only that it's hip hop, but just something. I don't know, man. I think that shit's cool as fuck. Yeah. I love that. Oh, you you know, like the hip hop hand is something that I don't think has been formally formally studied. Like, you know, I mean, hip-hop hand and the movements that MCs do, but there have been a lot of transitions through time. And, I mean, I know our listeners can't can't see right now, but back in the 80s, they definitely did the, like, put the hand up and then pull it down, you know what I mean? Like, to kind of, like, grab something from the top. Yeah, that's that, that's something that I want people to pull essence. back. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to grab it and, and show them, you know, the power. I'm going to do that while we're DJing tonight. That's all I'm going to do, actually. <laughs> Just multiple times, every track. Yeah. What I also liked about this, and uh, we have one of the producers or somebody who was associated with the film. You recorded this footage? Yeah. No, I recorded the sound. Oh, the sound. You did the okay. sound work for this. Man, what it inc- I know you kind of tight-lipped with it. That's the voice you know of Hunt I mean? Me Nicholas, y'all. Hunt Me Nicholas. Wow. And, and I'm going to put this uh, this whole documentary in the show notes because uh, it is it is a, 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 a jewel. You know what I mean? So, but yo, shout out to Ice T. Like, if you only know Ice T from like colors or from, you know, we were talking about m- the movies or SBU. as an actor, you know what I mean? Like, w- not even knowing his musical career. That's this is 1983, so maybe you recorded in '82 or something like that. Oh, shot it in the spring of '83. '83. Oh, wow. So that was Ice T snapping, man. Man. He's starting at 11 o'clock. 
shooting at night from 11 to 5. Oh, man. Oh, it was good. It was good. I, I want to ask like a million questions. Right. I'm not going to put you on a spot about it, but yeah. Yeah, man. we'll have to get you back Again, in for your if you would episode. ever like to come on and talk about your, your rich experiences, you can even use a pseudonym and we'll just pretend. I would love that. I would love even, <laughs> even even outside of the podcast, man. I would just love to build with you and hear more about this era because it's something that I really am well, interested in and care about. Me. I mean, it went away for me, mm-hmm. and now you can't bring. I mean, you sent me the the MP4 file last week, yeah. and I have I looked for it back in the early double lots. You know, like two thousand one, two thousand two. Couldn't find it anywhere. Um, the producer, I guess, he went bankrupt and it was seized. By the government, oh wow, or government, and I was trying to get a copy, and it just disappeared. And then mm. to find it on YouTube, yeah, man, everything's on. This should be in the Smithsonian, you know. This should, least, this is a, like a cultural artifact, at least. You know? So, at least it was a powerful experience, um, really powerful, incredible, man. Thank you for that. Thank you for contributing that. That's that's dope. I need yeah, to go I'm back. Surprised, and watch it. like. Uh, None of that footage is used in like any of these Netflix documentaries or things that have been coming. Right. I think I think it got comp- you know uh, seized, and somebody in it was probably West Germany at the time um, had a copy, and then that got spread out. Mm. But it was just it was hard to get a hold of the original footage, and I know all the people who were in the credits, or most of them. Yo, can yeah. I ask you one question? Like, while we're here, like, because I, I don't want to, you know, wait until when you will come back. There's a, a guy, a white guy that gets interviewed, and he talks about, uh, you know, the origins of breaking in New York, and then he says, and I brought it here to. California. I have the same question. Who yeah. is that guy? Who is that guy? That said he brought break into yeah. California. Yeah. He was in Venice. It's a scene. He's on Venice Beach, I believe. Oh, yeah. The owner of Muscle Beach got all the. Uh... Yeah. Is it Van Damme? That scene from Breaking, you know, where he's no, dancing is, back? It, is he white or does he look white? He's white. I mean, he's like, you know, Puerto Rican. He, he, he could be Puerto Rican, though. He's from New York, but he looks he's he very blonde. Oh, okay. No, was he blonde? He's brown. very blonde. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that settles it. He's very blonde. I got yeah. you there. I, I'll look at it again. I don't know. I would like oh, to. Oh, I don't remember. That was how many years Hold ago? On, can I, can yeah. I get it again? Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You still on? Oh, no, no. I don't have it. Oh, the, the sound? Oh, uh, Shucks got it. Okay. Let's unplug right quick. Here we go. He He's on there talking about bringing breaking to the West Coast. I don't yeah. remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Can can we get him some headphones? He could be Mexican. They got Mexicans that look like that. Not in New York, though. Yeah. Cubans and some people from Honduras, but he could be. Yeah. Listen to what he says next. 
getting it though. Dancing hard anymore. And so I would go out dance. Here it is. The first one doing it. I brought breaking out here. I was like the first one doing it. And uh, everybody was into like being really cool and wearing suits and uh, you know not getting down and getting sweaty and really dancing hard anymore. And so I would go out dancing and people would look at me really crazy because I would get down and spin on my back on the floor and get dirty and sweaty and you know have a lot of fun. And now everybody's doing it. I'm not saying you know like yeah I made this up, but uh, it's a lot of fun and I love doing it. And I'm glad it's catching on really big out here. Man, his swipes was trash. <laughs> it's quite his possible, swipes, yeah. though. It's quite possible that when he came out here, he didn't see any, anyone else breaking where he was, where he was in his circles, and he started doing it. But on then, Muscle Beach, possibly, or but other people probably caught on not only because of him, like other influences as well. So he feels like it really reminds me of um, the one of the ending scenes in Paris is Burning, which I watched for the first time recently and there's this Japanese like crew like news crew there and they're recording like one of the balls and one of the guys one of the Japanese reporters or announcers whatever he is he goes oh yeah uh you know I brought hip-hop and dance to Japan and right now they're just out there loving it and I'm like, who is this is guy? This guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. know, this documentary right. from the late 80s. Right. Talking about bringing something to another country. Well, that's, a, that's like the thing. Like, you can say whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you, if you, I don't know, Soldier Boy, you could say that you created hip hop and shit. And then people hear it and they say one yeah, thing. Yeah, we brought you know, podcasts into Tokyo. We <laughs> did bring podcasts into Tokyo. In fact, uh, when the documentary is made, I'm going to be <laughs> dressed just like my man in that documentary with the little shorts on, no no clothes on, uh, doing kind of trash swipes. So, hey, swipes are a breakdancing move for those well, who don't know. Shout out to you. Yeah, Huntley. Thank you, man. That's so intriguing. Uh, I'll put that video in the show notes for y'all to check out. You should definitely do it if you want to learn about who bought breakdance into <laughs> to the West Coast. That electro shit. Uh, we're ready for your track All too. All right, let me pull this up. So, do I just start talking about it right now? Just push well, play? yeah. Let's actually let's, let's go ahead and yeah. Let's go into it. Um, so with this part of the podcast, we each pick. We're each going to pick an album and we're going to discuss it and. Uh, we have a ever uh, a growing list uh, which we have ranked by what we feel is more like quality wise, uh, culturally important, oh, and where we think is this? The st- I'm not not playing the, just a song, right? Yeah, you're or just playing a song, oh, okay. but I mean it's it's a part of the album that you chose for yeah, us yeah. to discuss. So, uh, yeah. So um, right now, as as it stands, our list of albums is we have three right now because we just started. And right now, the first album, the number one album ranked is Kanye, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Number two is Lil Ugly Mane, Mr. Thug Isolation. And number three is The Roots, How I Got Over. So with these three albums, we're going to discuss it and decide where we place them on the list. If they overtake Kanye's album or if they fall, you know, whatever. So by the time this is done, we will have six albums on the list. And the album you're choosing is? Uh, Bobby Sessions. Revolution Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, each of them also have a uh, separate title. So Revolution Chapter 1 is The Divided States of America, 
and chapter two is the art of resistance they're both actually eps but together they make an album and yeah i'm choosing this one should i go into yeah, yeah let's play or? well um yeah you can drop the track uh one of the, or okay yeah, first yeah, i'll just drop, drop one of the tracks track. too and let us kind of listen to it because i think that this is an artist who um Despite being signed with Def Jam, he's not somebody that has been really culturally ubiquitous. A lot of people don't know about him. I was this album came out last year, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, just recently, last few months. I believe, okay, see, I, I, I listened to like over one hundred and fifty albums last year, and I didn't hear about this. Right. He's a Def Jam artist, so uh, kind of intriguing. So I'm just gonna drop the track. Yeah, what? please. This track is called Revolution. I guess it's the title track off the first EP. And why did you pick this track to play in particular? Um, you know, I could have actually picked anything off it. I just, I just like the track. I mean, this is just the track I chose to play for today. I like what he's saying, the content. Yeah. Digging up secrets. Not juicy J, but they must be a Not a human, you three fifths. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a cat that really appreciates content within lyrics, and it's it's been a while since I heard somebody really go hard on a you know strong conscious tip. So or, yeah, it just opened me up to 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 music that I really used to appreciate and I haven't heard recently. And it's a young kid coming out. Work. I gotta say, um, I listened to both albums last night and they're great projects i was surprised because i also was unfamiliar with dude until i got to the track uh, black neighborhoods with killer mike which yeah. i had heard before and i played Same. i played a lot last year but i didn't i didn't follow up on the artist i was just like oh this is a dope track with killer mike on it I didn't, exact same experience for me i didn't listen to the whole project but yeah recently especially uh, well i think this past decade more than the one before it there's been a lot more pro-black like very uh woke woke or just albums focused on the black experience and i mean it's different from you know like revolution music like in the past or even you know uh, political music like post like 9 11 music yeah, yeah yeah it's a lot more i mean i don't want to say a lot of reference a lot of tracks cuz i'm sure they'll come up like while we're doing this thing we're doing but for example like even like a beyonce or a solange like those kinds of albums are very black and not necessarily in the way that we might think in the past but I feel like this album also falls in that vein. And and I would say, like, uh, Vic Mensa put out a project called There's a Lot Going On. And 
it's not as conscious as this is, and it's not referencing as many angles as he does on his projects, uh, Bobby Sessions, but it still has that that uh that viewpoint of yo there's a there's a moment that we're having right now and there's a lot of things we need to maybe if not work out let's just discuss it and i think you know the movie black panther is born out of that uh the movie um what is it conversation on beale street or something on beale street that just came out recently Mm, the i know green book just came out James yeah. Baldwin's novel, the okay. adaption of that novel, sure. even his documentary that came out, James Baldwin's documentary. I mean, all of these things are Beale Street Blues. <laughs> Beale Street Blues, right? Uh, I don't think the movie is titled exactly like that, but maybe that's the title of the um, the novel. But yeah, I I really dig that perspective, especially right now, because I feel it's necessary. Right. So. Yeah, I'm glad that you oh. brought this album up because I would have completely, it would have passed me over. Same as same here, you know, and I, like I said earlier, it happened to be that a friend of mine sent me a video clip, a direct message on Facebook. Uh, uh, it was the first song off that album, which is called Like Me. And there's a video for it. And I, when I saw it, I was like, damn, this cat is dope. This is dope. So then I just dove into, I just started searching for his shit. And um, yeah, I, I just heard it for the first time a few weeks ago, so mm. new to me. But yeah. it, it, it's like yeah. a new kind of dead prez kind of. You know, I was really into dead prez back then when, it, when it, their first album right. dropped, and I was like, yeah. But I've heard his. I, I really went deep on this guy. I started watching interviews he's done, and he's got his head on straight. Yeah, he's got. He's how how old is he? He's like twenty three. Twenty three. So, yeah, yeah. He he does have like a youthful vibrance to his music. And I find it like I think to to speak some good qualities about the music. I think that the production's really strong. Mm. I think that he utilizes a lot of different um, rhyme schemes and a lot of different cadences, which shows um, you know versatility. Shows that he's a really strong MC. And I, I generally I think that the album's good. Uh, I think it's really very good. cohesive. Yeah, it's a cohesive. It's a it's a well thought out project. He he addresses a lot of topics that are um, especially you know. Uh, culturally pertinent and relative at this time or not relative but important at this time and and i really appreciate it now one of the things that i was uh, that i felt as i was listening to the project is a person who's familiar with these struggles who reads about these things and is actively um you know disseminating information about events that happens he strikes me as like the sean king of rapping you know a lot of the things that he would say are like important but a lot of it just felt very much like overly wokish to me mm-hmm. and not nuanced very on the nose i think there's a line in it where he's like all lives matter this ain't about you and it's like right. of course we all know that and he's putting together like revolutionary music to talk about these things but yeah, I, some, I find it like very on the nose there's with some, that approach uh, I guess observations or opinions that he states that maybe show he's like 23 years old and he's I I bring up this criticism a lot with younger rappers where like they'll say something and they'll think it's dope 
And I'm just like, man, I've heard that yeah. so many times. It's like in so many Reddit, different like ways. teenage deep thoughts. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it's like, yeah, that's 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 right. right. For like me, I for me, it. listening to it, there was nothing that I learned new. Yeah. Right. What I what I really like about I, I think his flow is on point. The production is on point, And I'm really impressed by the fact that that he chose to do a project on that subject at that age, Indeed. which I'm not finding. So for me, you know, if it had been somebody in their late 30s or 40s or something, putting out, I'd be like. Yeah, I wouldn't right. be impressed. I, yeah, I I'm not know. knocking, and that's right. not the you know knock at the album at all because the album's great. Uh, but yeah, he, I can see well, you, how you came to that. You, uh, you're not going to catch me criticizing anything like that. But when it comes to my personal music taste and the album as a concept, I think it's kind of low, low hanging fruit a lot of times. I I I called it it the um, like called him the Sean the Sean King of uh, Dallinger what. I was just giving it to you so you could hear what we're saying. Okay, just turn it off then. <laughs> what was I saying? Um, uh, oh, damn, what was I saying? <laughs> damn it, Dallinger. Oh, oh, okay, well, yeah, okay. Um, so it, my thoughts on the album in terms of... Uh, you know, I think it's important. I think the concept is interesting. I do think a lot of it is like very on the nose and not very nuanced. When I listen to other similar albums that express black power and things that um, I feel are important in our communities, you think about something like, um, I don't know, name any other kind of, uh, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. There's a lot of approaches on that about blackness and modern and the type of uh, adversity that we face uh, in, in the world today. And it's just much more nuanced yeah. to me. The nuanced reason I and, and some of the perspectives you may not even agree with, yeah. but they're also not like in your face. Yeah. And, and when they are, like on uh, The Black of the Berry, where he's like, uh, I'm the biggest for made, the kid made it all. Made in what did he say america made me kill a nigga blacker than me i forget yeah. exactly what he says uh but when he states it just like that it's kind of like Ugh, that's a yeah. that's a weird thing to say yeah uh, the reason i come uh, as i was listening to it I, I i compared him earlier when i first said he's like the sean king mm -hmm. because if you look at sean king's timeline and what he puts out into the world it's always on message you know it's always like here's something that we face here's the problem look at this issue look at this issue look at this issue and with this album there's not a lot Sean of King? he's the he's the the black dude that run like works with black lives matter he's on the news all the time uh, twitter talking about police brutality and and things he's very outspoken person when it comes to um black rights and and the injustices that we face he's mm. he's one of the, the the faces of not the black lives matter movement but very synonymous with it he's just he was also criticized that people try to say that he was actually a white guy pretending to be black because he's he's oh, high yellow that guy yeah but he's he's actually black right oh, I and, didn't you know, know that. Okay. and so so him it's always on message it's always there but the message is very direct mm -hmm. and while i appreciate it my music personally not saying this is a bad thing about the album this just didn't really strike me as anything that i'd want to really go back to to listen to again mm -hmm. there's a few tracks on there that i think oh i'm rocking with this this is dope but a lot of times the message is kind of like too much for me to feel like it's music that i want to listen to as much as that i feel like it's music that should be listened to by other people i right, would right, right. definitely listen again yeah. and i will listen uh I'll put it in rotation because I 
I, I love the album actually. I think it's yeah. really good. Uh, if I had heard it, I mean, I just heard it, so it's hard for me to say, but I think it's one of the better sounding projects that came out last year. Just that's a hot take. I, I, I should say, too, um, sorry to cut you off, but I should say uh, I didn't listen to the second disc. I only listened to the first one. So the first one, my, to me, my, is better. I think the first the one is better. better? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So um, Sorry to cut you off in I'm not your train fine. of thought. But uh, like I said, it, it kind of falls in line with a lot of projects like uh, uh, Black America again or uh, There's a Lot Going On Right Now or There's a Lot Going On, There's a Lot Going On Right Now. I forget the exact title. Um, Are these songs even, or projects? Black America uh, Black America again, again is again common. Is common. Yeah. Uh, I really recommend you listen to these albums if yeah. you like this album because they, they have this very similar tone. So Black America again by Common. There's a lot going on by Vic Mensa. And I think the album that's closest to this album is uh, T.I.'s Us Against the System. Hmm. Uh, and it sounds like they both sound exactly like they're coming from the same way like yo this shit is fucked up yeah let's work this out mm. and they're they're angrier than common and vix albums and they're not as personal it's kind of you know and uh, see and that's a testament to what i said earlier i haven't been checking for stuff so if i you know what i mean i probably wouldn't be as taken aback by it if i heard ti's project yeah. or common's recent well, project well, I'm, I'm, I'm stand alone they're all good they're good projects that he mentioned i'm saying it it works with those. Right. I'm not. I'm not saying it's uh, worse. Um, I'm saying it can fit together with mm. all of those. Like I would put all that on a playlist. You know. No, but I'm glad you mentioned because I because what I said was like I haven't heard anything like this in a long time. But then that's that's a testament of I haven't been digging. I haven't been sure. I haven't been listening. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I don't think that anything about this album sounds derivative from other people's work or anything like that. I think it's expressly like a, a solid project. And hearing that he's so young, which I, I kind of imagine that he was really young, um, adds to it. Because I think to have a cohesive album like this, a voice like his, to be developed and as versatile as he is with his writing and rhyming, I think that the, this is, um, all those things are indicative of an artist who I expect to do greater things. Mm -hmm. So I think that while I don't, I probably won't go back to this album uh, as a whole too often. There are some tracks that I really like. I really rocked with that Killer Mike joint. Um, oh, that feature is crazy. Know, it, it's a solid album. And so, where where do we where do we rate this? Where do we rank this? Um, I mean, I would have to say compared to the albums we have on there already, it's probably on the bottom. That was my thought as well. I haven't heard the the thug. Was this the second Mr. one? Mr. Thug Isolation. I haven't heard that, so I can't really. It, it, it's an interesting cut, and I actually gave it a lot of credit for the same type of things that I would give this album credit for. Mm. But I feel like that is a more original, not not original, because that might even be seen as a little bit more derivative because of the sounds that he pulls from. But I do think that as a voice, it stands out more to me mm. um, in terms of what was accomplished, and which is why I rated it over the, that Roots album. And uh, this album, it I mean, I just heard it, and it only came out last year. It's kind of going to be hard to see how it sits. qualify it. Yeah. That was a, I can't, by the I way, can't there was, when you asked me, like, the, which album of, you know, the last 10 years, one of the best albums, yeah. it's like, man, these questions for me is, like, really, really hard. I was actually going to go with a Royce album, actually. Okay. I was going to go with Layers, because just the way that that affected me and just the cohesiveness of it. I haven't even everything. heard that one. Yeah, that's one you should check. It's, yeah. That's ill. You okay. like it but more I, than... Have you heard The Book of Ryan, his latest one? 
Yeah. Uh, did I hear the whole thing? The Book of Ryan is great, I actually. I remember but. if I heard the whole thing or not. But um, when did Layers? Maybe I did hear Layers. It came out bef- before Bar Exam uh, 2. It it's came out before Bar Exam. the story of, you know, his, he was, uh, his girl was pregnant in the hospital while his m- grandma was dying at the same time. His girl was like on the fifth floor of the hospital. His grandma was on the ninth floor. Mm-hmm. And the, the five, nine, I don't know. He yeah. went into a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, on, yeah. Well, like he's, he's always going to be super great. Did it come out before I, 2012? No. I don't before know. Before 2012? Man. This no, last decade's no, really no, fuzzy no. to me for some reason. It's, I cannot remember when the fuck albums came out. If you ask me when um, Good Kid Mad City came out, I'm kind of like... Yeah, I feel that. Uh, I thought but you I'm would pick go a Kendrick this. album, to be honest. You know what? So, I was I, expecting I, you I, to pick a Kendrick album. I purposely album. didn't, because that's too easy. Yeah. And, and, and we are going to have to have and that if, conversation, And if, and if, though. I, and if I would have picked yeah. one, it probably would have been Section 80. Why? Hmm. Not that it's a better album than To Pimp a Butterfly to me, but where he was at that age, at that time, to drop something like that. Yeah. That's the same reason why I picked this Bobby Sessions right now. It's not... He could never... You know, it's really hard for me to rank anything higher than a Roots album, personally, just because of my personally, Black Thoughts are my favorite MC. And I'm sorry, I should have, that's one I should have probably said earlier, but in in a certain context, in certain context, it was like this Bobby Sessions or like a Kendrick album. Um, it would it would have been too easy for me to pick a Kendrick sure. album, and I and I figured that that somebody's gonna pick one anyway. So I wanted to throw this guy in the mix, and I wanted to give light. I wanted to shed light on this cat just to make it. You know, two 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 new people heard his album. Sure. Yeah, yo, thanks, then, man. Yeah, thanks. It's for a very back. strong album. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm debating whether or not I'm gonna put the Ti one on, but knowing that this has been submitted and I'm not uh, objecting to it. It, it makes me feel better about even thinking about hmm. putting the T.I. one on. I, I, I'm I'm down to put any album on there, even if we don't think it'll crack the top 10. Uh, my approach to... Oh, well, I should say also, I think this would sit at number four below The Roots, How I Got Over album for me personally, uh, the Bobby Sessions joint. But my approach to this is really just not like I really like this album, so I'm going to argue why it deserves to be in a certain spot. I'm more or less just trying to balance things out here hear Late's opinion about it, see if he sways me one direction or the other, and just have conversations about where we think this art lands. And so, who knows? Maybe this Bobby Sessions album ends up in the top ten, but, you know, it's it's a long... It's, this hard, nine though. years is a long time, yeah. and there's a lot of really good projects, I think, yeah, which is um, which is dope. So, uh, I think, is four fair, then? We got yeah. two for spot four? Okay. Well, going... Uh, mentioning Kendrick... Your pick is related to that. Yeah. Um, my pick is Absol, uh, Control System, which came out after Section, Section 80. 80. Um, which it, I was surprised by because I misremembered the uh, release uh, order. Yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't. It, be, it was because um, while I really enjoyed Section 80 and I was already on the Kendrick wave and appreciating his music and I really liked that album one of the features that stood out to me was that last track from Section 80 that had Ab Soul and I was kind of really intrigued to see who this guy was and uh, when his album came out the, I think the first track I heard was the joint with um, is it yeah the joint with Danny that, Brown that's crazy. which kind of put me on Yo, to that, Danny Brown too that track is <laughs> incredible that's one of my favorite end of blog era rap tracks of all time it is so dope and that that sample well i mean that like that channing sample that who who i've heard some other people use that 
I feel like that track influenced so many people, like low key. And I agree. Even going back now, I don't even like Danny Brown's verse as much as I used to. Like Extra I can appreciate Absol's. Yeah. I can, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, the whole thing. It's so weird how it comes. Like there's verses, and then they like stop and do some ad libs. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that track, and the project is really dope too. I, you know, as actually, I was, I was, cause I listened to it again after you mentioned it, and when I was going through, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I like this album as much as I used to, cause I was like, these days, I think I like that album better than Control System, but then when it got to um, the Book of Soul, I was like, oh shit. I was like, I forgot. I was like, pretty deep. Well, not not just the lyrics, just the sound Mm. and the beat he chose. It it kind of made me remember why I liked. Because with the tracks, I was like, oh yeah, I like this track. I like this track, but I still like these days a little bit better. But then when the Book of Soul came out, it kind of clicked for me. It was like, yo, this is like a rap fan's album. Yeah, this is like somebody my age. He grew up. He was listening to Doom. He was listening to Kanye. He was listening to some stuff from New York. And, you know, I can see his influences that he yeah. has. There's and a variety to yeah. the sound. There's a approaches the to the concepts. that he makes. Yeah. And he, with this album, I feel like it's kind of like an homage to, like, his fandom of, you know, the yeah. hip-hop that mm-hmm. he was listening to. Well, like we were saying about the Bobby Sessions album, I, I think that, you know, he was a young artist when this came out. I don't know his age, but, you know, this is really his first full length project. And I thought that it was very cohesive put together. There was an interesting variety. The topics were um, dope. Mixed emotions is dope as well as uh, what is what is the other joint? Um, what, what, what is it called? The, the joint where with the girl. Damn, what's the name of that shit? uh empathy no i don't know anyways but but uh you know there's double standards double standards Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of like um concepts on here that i'm i feel like i probably heard some of them before but some of them just came together really well Mm -hmm. uh if you don't get this pussy you a pussy like these type of things i felt like should be said and to be honest when this came out I was a Kendrick fan from Section 80, but when this came out, I was looking at Absol saying, wow, I really kind of enjoy this project more than I do Section 80. X Section 80 had a lot of dope joints on it, but as a whole, I really recognize this project as being super dope when it came out. However, you know, uh, how many ever years later, I find that I wasn't even going back and listening to these songs as yeah. much as I did joints on Section 80. Does Section 80 have like rigor mortis on it and shit like that, right? Rigor Mortis, uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, uh, cartoons and serials on that joint. Her, uh, her I was, was going to say basically when you hit that, that point, I didn't hear, I didn't even hear the Control System album until when you told me that you really? were going to pick it. So I went and found it, listened to it, and I realized that the Danny Brown track I was like, oh, I know this track. Yeah. I heard this track. This shit is bananas. That track and the very last Posse Cut track were the only two yeah. tracks that stood out to me. Oh, really? The last track is is bananas too, and. Uh, you know, I'm quite the opposite when it comes to like the TDE camp. I'd go with Kendrick first is my favorite. Then I go with J Rock. Then I go with Q Boy. I mean Schoolboy 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 Q. And then I go with Ab. I kind of uh, got the I, same lineup. But with Ab, Rock and Kendrick always changing. Yeah, I, yeah but uh, Ab I'll, has never been my favorite. I respect yeah. him. I think he's dope. But you know, sometimes his voice kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah. And then that album. 
you know, I gave it my best listen and it was like, maybe if I heard it when it came out, I would have liked it a lot more, but See, I'm in a different mind state too. right now and it wasn't... TDE was different back then. Grab me. Exactly. Like, because I misremembered the releases. Like, I always thought this came out before... Because I feel like there were like rounds of TDE. Like, when Kendrick was still K-Dot, he had some releases and Absol even had some releases before this. And uh, and then Schoolboy Q had his first release called uh, Setbacks, and I feel like of those first rounds, like Q's project was the best. And then I thought this came out before Section 80, and I thought this was the spark of like TDE's yeah. second round, but it was actually Section 80. So it was Section 80, and then J Rock had an album which isn't that good. Yeah, I, I try not to include it in this. I would move that to like the first round. But then this came out. Oh, no, sorry. Q's second joint came out, Habits and Contradictions. Mm -hmm. And then this came out. And I think this might be the best of that uh, second agreed, round agreed. of TDE joints. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think this is when they it all came together for them. And then right after this, Good Kid, Mad City yeah. came out. This is when I, I felt like they became posse. This is where I felt like, oh, the cohesion is really there. That last posse cut was like, oh, okay, all of these guys rock together. And at that time, my list was Kendrick, Schoolboy, Absol, J-Rock. And Absol's since moved to the bottom of mine because I just really haven't liked his work since this album. And so while I think this, al this, this album sits to me as kind of like an, more, more or less like an artifact of an era, um, it's not a timeless album to me. There are tracks on there that work really well, but I think that a lot of my enjoyment of this album, uh, there are several standout tracks that I really think that I go back to. Bohemian Grove, Terrorist Threats with Danny Brown, uh, Double Standards, Mixed Emotions, and Empathy, and then probably The Book of Soul. Out of 17 tracks, maybe five of them I really, really like. And so I think that it's a really good album for the decade i don't think that it is a timeless album for the decade but i also think that of the albums that we have on the list right now i would put it at two mm. really yeah i would put it above uh mr thug isolation and that roots album wow i i let that roots album to me is just unremarkable it's a very very good album i would put but it I don't above the roots it, album but under mr thug isolation uh, maybe that's just me. Like I, I love that album so much. It, I don't know. I would. Yeah. Like I, I said, think... even listening through Control System, I was kind of like, uh, until I got to the Book of Soul. Then I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, this album's really good. I, I do think that there's something to be when it when it comes to our list. There's something to be said about how an album impacts the culture as well. And I think that this mm -hmm. album has a, a bigger, true indeed, a bigger point of like in, that in case, time then and that's why I undoubtedly there. yeah yeah and, and and you know to be honest with you i will go back to listen to that roots album more than this album and i have and i i do but in terms of it like being a great album throughout time i think that it's important that we talk about the impact and this like you said this kind of started that tde era of like cohesion for me yeah. and that's what i got from it so i would i would have placed this at two on our list currently Straight i up. don't think that this album will crack the top 10 by the time we're done at the list and i don't think it deserves to mm. no, it, I doubt it. out of 17 tracks in like what are there like maybe there, there's not many intro uh uh interludes, what, interludes yeah. so it's a lot of it is just kind of disposable for me personally so what, what do you think late no um 
when you put it into perspective like that, the Lil Ugly Man album, as much as I like it, is very niche. Uh, I, a lot of people aren't gonna like it. A lot of people aren't gonna get it, and a lot of people aren't gonna listen to it again repeatedly. So, and what, what's interesting is both of these albums are not very accessible to like a mainstream rap fan. I think Control System, both of them, uh, Lil Ugly Man and this album. I don't this know if I would agree weird. with that. I mean, terrorist threats is on here, man. Yeah, it is. It is the jam. Yeah, yeah that's fucking jam. That's Can we play that? <laughs> got that? <laughs> Put that shit on, man. I think I do have you that got shit. that shit. <laughs> Just toss that shit on, man. But yeah, so uh, what do you think? Is it better than that? Make your argument for it being not as good as the Roots album. It just didn't, it didn't, I didn't have any impact on me. Okay. But like I said, if I had listened to it when it came out, sure. which I, I didn't even know about it, yeah. um, it maybe it would have had a different impact. Right now, I'm in a completely different mind state. And state sure. Of, so it, I can listen to this and be like, this shit is dope. This yeah. song is dope. Just, I mean, just, and like I said, the last, the last track, everything else didn't really stand out to sure. me. Sure. Even though you, you talk about the, the Book yeah. of Soul, it's, yeah. I mean, I, think I, I, I empathize or sympathize with his story, with what yeah. he's talking about, with everything he went through or whatever, but. You know, that it track. It doesn't affect sure. me, maybe, but years ago it would have. It's been. not. Almost has nothing to do with what he's talking about. It's the beat and the yeah, fact okay. that it's the same sample that Doom used on one of the special herbs. Mm. And I can tell that he knows that. And it's something about that that as like kind somebody of call that, back yeah, to it that makes as it a hip hop listener and that's yeah. not like that's kind of a deep cut to pull a sample yeah, from. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like I kind of see him on that mm, if that's sure. what if that's what his intent was, and that kind of puts a lot of the album into perspective because he has yeah. other like references uh, I can't remember exactly but he like uh, interpolates a hook from another song, but he like reinterpolates the sample mm. and like says it in and I these little like things that he references are kind of like oh shit like. I, I've hung out with dudes like this, like, or we listen to the same kind of shit. Like, uh, I, I don't know. It, it kind of mm. makes me feel like this album is uh, kind of like a love letter sure. from like a, a fan of a certain generation. There's albums that are like that, um, and and in fact, the the next album, that your album that you chose, I feel is very much like that. Mm. Um, and, and there's something to be said about that. There's ways to do it where it's like really dope and there's ways to do it like you just rocking off of like another energy or something. But this, it, like I actually didn't realize that that Book of Soul sample was from a, a Doom cut. I didn't, I mean, and I've heard all those special herbs Well, they use the same sample. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. uh, you know, the same sample source, but I didn't recognize it. So, but I just know that I like that beat. And when I listen to, I don't go back to listen to that song because it's not often that I'm like, yeah, I want to hear about his struggle and his girl dying. Right. But it's a really good personal song about that so i don't know are we cool with two on, for now i'm cool with that yeah. okay yo um why don't you uh give us give us your choice this time this is i i felt like this is going to be a, a a difficult argument for me uh because i think both of these albums your album that, I, that you chose and mine are both pretty damn good albums word yeah, yeah. i'm yeah let's let's see where this goes okay uh so my pick is um, The Game, the documentary 2, and 2.5. So 
I believe two came out in 2015 and 2.5 came out later in the year and the game is a very controversial artist like he had one of the best debuts of all time you yeah. know coming out with G unit in their prime and you know they had their fallen out and then he released some albums which definitely weren't as well received yeah on um, you we can argue about the quality but you know Never at that level of the documentary, which was the debut. Yeah, uh, very strong. Executive produced by Dr. Dre, yeah. uh, the documentary, and it felt like he was always chasing Dr. Dre around through the rest of his career. Yeah, especially like, that second joint, Dr. Doctor's Dr. Advocate, with the title without any production, Dre production. Yeah. yeah, he always seemed like he's still like it's like he he put him on, so he maybe feels indebted to the fact that yeah. whatever I release, I'm indebted to this man. Yeah. Who, discovered me and put me on in sure. some ways, I guess. But. And even off the mic, game is a little, like, almost Kanye-ish in the way where, like, yo, I really like your music. Can you stop, like, being such an asshole? Yeah. And, like, showing up in tabloids and things uh, like off that? Off the mic, yeah. after we discuss this, I have an off the mic game story that I would love, if we have time. Oh, the, the mics are off oh, now? Just oh, go oh, drunk. We could, I mean, we could talk. <laughs> it, we, I, mean, no. I mean, I mean, like, uh, after this album, oh, okay, the mics sure. could stay on. I could okay. talk about it, but, yeah, yeah just... Okay. He just reminded me of... <laughs> what are, uh, like, uh, Game's career, right? Like, I really... I liked some of his features on um, uh, 50s album. Like, uh, he's got a really strong feature where I think he has, like, the best verse on I it. I mean, uh, the documentary, I mean, kind of selling it short to say it's a really great debut album. Fucking uh, Hate It or Love It is on that, which is That is crazy a phenomenal song. track, yeah. It's, I mean, even that's, lyrically, that's the way they favorite. wrote it... Yeah. Although 50 Cent claims he wrote the whole thing. The way they like trade uh, their flows yeah. between the first verse and the second verse. Oh, no, that's not Hate It or Love It. That's, um, what's the other thing? This is How We, how do. we do. How We Do. Fucking, it's both great. those singles yeah. are crazy. It's and actually I mean, uh, like, at the time I was super underground head, but I would check out major releases. Like, uh, you know, I'm always going to check out a Kanye, a Jay-Z. Uh, and, and in this case, I check out the Games album. And I thought that that was really, really strong. Uh, yeah. It's a great it's a great album. Um, my, my issues when it comes to game outside of his uh, public persona and how he carries himself. I think he's a real cat. You know, he's big 6'4". Sometimes you got to box. Sometimes you got to talk shit. He never really grew up. I don't hold it against him. I think one of the biggest things about game for me is that his identity as a rapper always seems to be him supplanting and using other people's flows or yeah. other people's mm. vibes in order to create his own vibe. I kind of thought that was his gimmick for a while since his name was the game. I thought yeah. that's what he was going to do. Like, you know, for this song, I'll sound like pun for but, this song. I'll sound like, you know, yeah, I'll Biggie. drop a like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, here's, here's that's, him sounding just like Nas or right, right. Uh, when he did the track with bone thugs, he was able to kind of affect that double time chopping. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it, it's, it's a testament to his ability as an artist. However, on his standalone tracks, if he's not trying to emulate somebody and it's not clear, his he doesn't stand out to me as being very well written or or great. His voice takes on structures. His voice takes on like abilities. Like one track off of this album, I'm like, yo, that sounds like fucking Biggie. Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. Like, well, fuck. That's, and I mean, it took the you know, beats too. Like it has Ryan. the um. Kicking the door, yeah, being yeah, yeah. Dirt, puppies dirt, on dirt, it, dirt puppies on it, talking yeah. shit. But it's got like a, it's got like a more trappy type of vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit, update, but know? that was definitely it's a concept. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. he, I mean, it's puppies well, yeah, on it. Let's get into this go, album. Go ahead. So the documentary, I gotta pull up the track list. And the shit, documentary two comes out 
released independently pretty much like it's not a major label release and i mean game had gotten to that level you know back when people were putting out albums on baby grand and you're saying yo i'm getting you know four thousand for or how, i'm getting like uh fourteen dollars for each sale or some shit like that you know i'm independent he had gotten to that level you know he wasn't getting a lot of major lo- major label love uh he was kind of on the come up i think like coming back up already but this album is mm, it's hard to say it's better than the, the documentary I, I don't think it is but the tracks are individually like so good and it's a lot of um like showing love to the west coast yeah, yeah. like we said there's a track that references biggie there are hella tracks that reference like the bay different parts of california you, like hip-hop culture really lifestyle west coast shit. joints on there produced by west coast so like will i am with fucking ice cube on it and ice cube and fucking dope yeah but, andre i yeah. mean I, I think i think that's one of the things about the albums that that both makes it really good to me and also kind of diminishes it to a degree is that he took a lot of like first off i, I think that there's almost an oversaturation of features on this album i was about to say it's great. I love that. I, I, it's I, like I I'm white. not with that. I like it just because... They don't sound like they work together all the time. I like the yeah. West Coast. Some of it of sounds it. forced mm-hmm. to me. Some of it sounds it's forced. It's like YG, Problem, DJ Quick. Uh, Yuckmouth's not on here, is it? It's a lot of dudes mm-hmm. from the Bay on one track. Um, he has all of TDE on here. He's got uh, fuck, I'm forgetting. Q-Tip, Kanye. Um, yeah, he has the big artists. Drake also. is on yeah. here. Snoop Dogg is on here. That, that's. I, I feel like if if this had come out a couple years later, um, RBE, what are their names? Uh, S-O-B-R-B. S-O-B-R-B-E would have yeah. been on here. Like I feel like it was that kind of album mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, you're hot and from the West, or this is what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Like I'm trying to show the new West. And the old West. This yeah. is a West Coast yeah. album. But for the documentary, it also two is, and two point five yeah. are two. I didn't like two, but two point five is a banger to me. I do like two point five. I think two point five is way better. But I think, all, yo, the way two starts with that um, it has like a the skit. Kendrick joint, the Erica Badu sample. Yeah, and then Kendrick Lamar comes on. Yeah, yeah. it's and a then good that fucking song transitions. Into the next track with um Deshloaf. Deshloaf, yo, that track is fucking it, crazy. It, it's it's really fucking good. Uh, like I, I have an issue with like the like the the usage of so many um, features. I think that there was a trend in, in music that started around this time where people just started throwing features on all of the tracks. And normally a lot of that shit seems great to me, but I like my tracks to work together as if they're working together. Well, and it doesn't sound like that on a lot of these songs. It sounds like somebody say, spent like sent verses you, on you, most of these to me. You, you just remind me of a point I wanted to make and um, something you just said made me think of something new. Um, all all the features kind of mask the deficiencies game has as an MC, which we Precisely. were just talking about. Precisely. Like he he's very good at copying flows and he's a very good lyricist in his own right. Cause I'm I'm pretty sure he's writing his own shit. And oh, yeah. even when he's oh, yeah. emulating. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's dope lyrically, but 
he's almost like in that J. Cole kind of category where even though he's dope, I don't really care for what he has to say. He just sounds kind of dope when he's saying it. Mm, this shit, yeah. this shit seems like, like, better than Compton to me. Like it, this captures like a West exactly. Coast type of like this whole is, vibe. This is probably in my mind. If you had taken the best parts of two and two point five and done one album, this would have been um, Detox, because it's all the people Dre's working with. Dre's on here. It's like a fresh West Coast sound, but it doesn't it doesn't sound like dated or exactly. you know like it's, this is way better than Compton to me. It's I agree. Way I agree. Than I agree. Yeah. Now there are some tracks on here that I find to be like bad, like. Uh, what is yeah, the definitely. one? <laughs> Bi- bitch, bitch, you ain't shit. One oh, of my oh, favorite. God, one of my that favorite is problematic tracks. <laughs> yeah, I mean that song would be fine if it was '94. Hold on, yo, right. just, but it's just like because the hook, the hook is just like, bitch, you ain't shit, and everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't make it funny for me. I'm saying this shit is bad. All right, but but yeah, I mean. It's a really good album. One of my favorite moments on this album is actually Q-Tip's verse, which doesn't like. Wow. It's like a I, new beat. It, it seems like a completely yeah, I was separate track. Very unimpressed by the I, Q-Tip. Well, feature. you know what it is, and it's a it's a statement that I feel about the album. It's the familiarity, familiar, familiar. You were good. You said familiarity <laughs> of some of these joints, and he uses the the Mon, Montaro sample, which has been used by a lot of people. Uh, it was on uh, Mad Lib's Blue Note album, mm-hmm. and it just alone is a really good track. So you play that fucking sample with some drums over it, and just add q-tip being q-tip it doesn't have much of anything to do with the song it doesn't add to the cohesion of the album it's just a really bright moment that's why that i feel use a lot of sample like it's very detox tricky. or dre-esque where yeah. this album Familiar. isn't as much as a game solo album as it is like a compilation album exactly some type of celebration homage like some kind of thing he's trying to Project. That's LA, why I keep saying like West Coast, blood, yeah. Even LA, though he has like blood, um, LA, like you know, he's, he's trying to bring coming people in, up, Drake bro. coming in, Kanye coming yeah. in, but it's very LA. Yeah. It's so yeah. LA. Even the skits he has peppered in, he's like talking about the history of the Bloods yeah, and the yeah, Crips. Yeah. Um, I'm a lot of the skits yeah. are kind of whack though. Like they're very. I, whack. I think I think the 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 album is um, top heavy. Like the 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 bottom part, like the first part of it, is really strong. And it tends to get weaker as it goes on Which, for me. The the track with Anderson Pack, uh, one of them, uh, Magnus Carlson. The first one. This Which is. version did y'all hear? Did y'all hear the one with the, with the Stevie Wonder sample? Because is it, I don't know. Is there two different versions? Because when I first heard the album, it had the Stevie Wonder sample, but that has since been changed. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, was there a clearance problem? Like on streaming. Did they change it on the streaming version? Yeah. I hate that, man. I, I can't... Do you have it right Right now? off the top, I can't remember what I, albums yeah, it's it. happened to me on, up. but I've got, tried to go back to some... It's always, you know, any any 90s album that had, like, like production that I want to hear. Occasionally, you go back, and you're like, what? Really? They've changed the samples and songs and stuff? So. Yeah, it must have been, like, some yeah. clearance thing. It's definitely, yeah. Yeah. That, was, uh, you know... Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't like the Drake song, 
because I don't like Drake and I'm not about to listen to Drake telling me uh, this is for real niggas and shit. Like, yeah. it's just weird to me to have. I mean, that song was a banger, though. Ah, I just fucking don't like Drake. That song was very popular. It was. And uh, yeah, I, doesn't it have a shot at Kendrick on that shit, too? Uh, I mean, from Drake? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I think it did. But I I don't know, man. I think it's a really good album, but I like a lot of these songs by themselves and shit, but I think it's too long, and I think that it's kind of a cheat code that he's using here. Um, Biting the flow, not biting the flows, but using flows, and then the familiarity of a lot of these samples are just like, of course I'm going to like this. It's a fucking dope-ass sample, and it kind of confuses me in that degree. But I think... And when they're not there, I don't care for the tracks. As I much. think you're maybe critiquing it too much as an album instead of like. I really think this is such an homage to like that Dre chronic style of like, yo, y'all know this sample? Yo, this is some G Funk shit. Oh, y'all like Snoop, Ice Cube? He's on this shit too. Like, here's everybody from the Dog Pound. You but know it's what I mean? also games gimmick at this point because he does that on even the what is it 1996 album or whatever the one named after 90s yeah, that's very it's very yeah. much just trying to do this again and maybe it was because this album was received very well or maybe that's yeah. just maybe that's also to mask he redoes colors on that album you know what i'm saying and yeah. it's just kind of like uh, so for me i i acquiesce to where you guys think this will probably stand because i i while i really like the album i have some major issues with some of the content here and and in the album itself that i i'm not exactly sure if i would put this above absol or below absols and that's that's kind of where i'm at on my placement on the map i, I, I do think it's stronger than the rest of the album agree i think i would have to it would depend on the day you asked me this or Absol. right because yeah. i just got done saying 17 tracks and i've loved five of them off absols how many songs two and 2.5 like, i would definitely like put this above absol personally this is like yeah. This is like 140 minutes of music. See, today, I'm with Shucks. I'm like, yeah, yeah this is better than Absol. But if you ask me, yo, let's sit down and listen to 2 and 2.5 back to back, I'll be like, nah, man, I got, I got stuff to do. It's right, also right. like, it, it, this this album itself is already like approaching 80 or eighty minutes or 90 minutes of music. And then the mm. two the 2.5 is like, a, what, another 40 minutes of music or some shit? No, yeah. it's a full. No, it's a full, full. It's, is it over hour, 40 yeah. minutes? Like, Fuck, that's, that's like. That's what I was saying. They're two separate albums to me. Yeah. And like. I like the 2.5. I didn't like the 2 as much. And would you? I would, I would put it in above Absol for the 2.5. Okay. What about you, Late? If you had to split them into two projects, how, how would you would you rank them differently? If I had to pick one or the other? Well, say you had to place both of them on the list. Mm-hmm. Where would you place them? Oh. I'd have to listen again. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I, I think it's a good album. Uh, like I, I feel inclined to put it below Absol right now, but it just depends. Uh, I honestly would listen to more tracks off of the game joint, standing alone. You know, like if, if somebody dropped, um, if somebody dropped something off the games joint at a bar, and then drop like a, a pineal gland, and they could drop another, they could drop another joint off of this, off of this game album. But I probably wouldn't care to hear another joint off of the Absol album like mm. back to back these songs yeah. are just like they're more most of them are more crowd friendly like bumping the whip friendly type of songs you know what i mean whereas the absol album is like a headphone album to me 
most of the time. I don't know. Where, where do you guys place it? I'll leave it up to you guys. I think I'm going I'm to agree with Shucks and say so over Absol. Yeah. Right. Which is... Today. Sure. Below. I, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Below your thug... Uh, sorry. Thug it's isolation. your thug isolation. Yeah. So I've got to listen to that just okay. to know what why you guys are ranking that so sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you I like mean, um like old southern music? Like not Lil Wayne Hot Boys days, but like, like Memphis Hypnotic Minds, yeah, Triple Six Slab kind of syrupy molasses. I, was, I, I wouldn't say I was Southern shit. I'm against it, but I was I was never checking for Same. it. Same. Same, but I, I think that this like Mr. Slug Isolation is kind of a really interesting kind of modern take on it. Yeah. To to uh, it's a, a bit, logical a bit extent. tug and cheek. Yeah, okay. uh, to its logical extent where it's not like you don't have to listen to it to be like at the strip club or some shit. You can listen to it and appreciate some of the musical qualities while not necessarily having to adhere to some of the, the themes and topics that those, you know, founders created with this album. I think it's I think it's a good album, but, you know, it, it now it's number four. So so we've got to, to end it off. We've got uh, Kanye, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, at number one. Number two is the game documentary two and two point five. Absol control system, little ugly man, the roots, how I got over, and Bobby Sessions revolution. Cool man, I like these conversations. They're fun to me. So uh, I don't know when the next time we're gonna have to to uh, drop one of these, but yeah, we'll see yeah. when it happens. Next week we've got uh, AJ Boundless. I want to pat myself on the back because this was a good idea, but it was also a good idea to open it up to the guests because I like the flavor of having Bobby Sessions on there. It feels yeah. appropriate to have it on yeah. there. Yeah, so, I, I think yeah. I think when we get somebody that's kind of informed about music and, and can offer opinions that we that we kind of value, then it's good to get them involved. Uh, not every guest is going to get this. So pay attention. If you like if you like us doing this, um, go ahead and put some money to our PayPal, and then we'll see if we can do these as like extras for you and shit. So word up. We do the uh, the outro. Uh, do we got shows coming up? Uh, actually, yeah, hella shows. January. Um, I'm gonna leave that to you. I gotta use the bathroom. Shucks, do you have anything you want people to come to in the near future? Uh, if it's if it's after hip hop related. Not necessarily. Okay. No. Like I mentioned earlier, if you have kids, Kidzania, Tokyo, theme park, February 28th, I have the African Caribbean Festival, an event that I put together um, with some African and Kid, Caribbean. Kidzania is like the Akaiwa? No, no, no. It's, it's a theme the, park. It's a basically. Is that the one in Aoyama? That nope. It's in Toyosu. Okay. Toyosu. And then there's locations around the world, but in Tokyo, it's in Toyosu. It's a theme park where kids get to experience real life career activities and it's it's a city. So when you get when you enter it, it's a city built to the scale of kids. So there's cars driving on the streets, there's, you know, shops of every kind of shop you can think of in oh, a wow. real city, you know, police departments, fire departments, hospitals, all that and kids can do all of those jobs. You can you can play sports, you can do I mean pretty much anything there's over 100 activities there and then my job is to create festivals within the city so i create cultural festivals Word. so yeah if you have kids between the ages of 3 to 15 check out kidzania tokyo february 28th african caribbean festival that sounds really dope man thanks cool uh Huntley? Huntley, do you have anything oh it's been wild <laughs> <laughs> do i have anything coming up no. yeah 
stay-at-home dad, so hey. what am I going to do? That's my dream, man. Yo, I got to get away. Y'all are going to, like, make me catch something. I got to get away from you. Yeah? Have a baby soon and shit? Uh, D, you got anything coming up? Uh, Actually... Uh, I have something. Yo, in the I'm work. sorry, I missed you the other day, man. Oh, it's no worries, man. Yeah, it was a really late show. Yeah, I just played. I just did a show out in Nakano. But uh, actually, I do have some. It's it's a way. As I got some coming coming out coming up in March out in Ibaraki, actually. Oh so, wow. Yeah, or as the locals say, Ibaragi. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, more on that later. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, let's get into this weather forecast shit. Uh. The weekend you're listening to this, there's not a lot going on. Uh, Speakeasy is on Sunday. So go check us out at Hotel Koe. You know, DJ Sarasa, Brooklyn Terry. Guest is DJ Kai Star. Um, we'll be going from 4 to 10. So, you know, it's always good vibes, dancing, and uh, family friendly. So bring your crew, bring your people. And uh, yeah, come catch the vibe. Is an earthquake? I didn't feel that. No? Okay. Uh, that happens out here in Japan. Uh, yo, you know I said the calendar's heavy, but I guess that was just January, because there's not a lot of shit on here. Um, so, yeah. I'm just going to say that. Shout out to uh, Stand Up Tokyo, Alex C. Dog Camp. Um, peep their Facebook to catch all their events. We also have a lot of them on the calendar. Uh, always shout out to DJ Kensuke doing his thing every Wednesday at Quintet in Umegaoka. And uh, my event with my guy Akira Hot is going to go down again at Blue Jam Cafe in Azabu Juban. It's February 9th. We do it every second Saturday. That'll be from 7 to a little after midnight. And the guests for this one are going to be Fetus Lotus, which are uh, two women um, who've been DJing for a while. Uh, the vibe is going to be, they, they play like some rock music, so it'll be pretty interesting. So come check that. And we're also going to have uh, our guy Katomi from uh, Sunday Replay also going to play. So yeah, come hang out with us in Azaba Juban on the 9th. And I feel like I'm forgetting something a little important. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's not coming to me. So Well, there'll be an episode next week, so y'all pay attention to that shit, too. Uh, no, we ain't doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't doing shit. <laughs> yo, uh, yo, Shucks, we want to thank you for coming through and rocking with us, man. It was thank good to you. sit down and, and build. We haven't kicked it for a whole minute, so uh, word, shout out to you and also uh, Huntley. Thank you for coming through and uh, just rocking with us, man. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Definitely. Yeah, we would love to just talk to you. If you ever want to uh, do a podcast, get at us, please. And Shucks, you have to sit in on that episode. Yeah, you got to be the third host. Word up. Yeah. Word. Yeah. We we won't make you do uh, greatest albums of the decade uh, joint. (laughs) Yeah. My girl. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like 21 Savage. Yeah, right? That'd be wild. He's like Takashi six nine number two. <laughs> All right, we're Mega Late Show episode number sixty two or sixty three, something like that. Sixty two, maybe sixty two. Shucks one, peace. Peace. Is outro music going on right now? Took my headphones off. Word, thanks for rocking with us today, guys. Always have a good time doing this. Word up. This is a long recording. 
seem long. 240, right? 248 right now. Uh, you going to hold it out? No, we're going to mic it. It'll be a drop. Yo, yo, can we get that game story? It's a f- 